We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Week 17, the Fantasy Championship. We'll break down every single game from a fantasy football and sports betting perspective on today's Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. Along with Mario Puig, I'm John McKegney. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> Sitting in for John McKegney, I'm Alan Sislowski. Uh, What's up, my friend Mario? Hey, not much, Alan. Thanks for uh, stepping in today. Slash, sorry about uh, the aging experiment, John. I don't know <laughs> which one is even real. I can't tell. Yeah, no, nobody's mistaking me for John. You know, he's got the most beautiful mustache outside of Jim Coventry. So <laughs> uh, there's something in that, you know. Uh, you Didn't you used to have like a big burly beard? Yeah, so I, I kind of... I can be recognized with a variety of looks because I don't have one. I just let my fur grow to a certain point and then I shave it all off because I don't believe in haircuts really. Uh, so um, the, when the beard gets too long, I'll just shave it off. And when my yeah. hair gets too long, I shave it off. So sometimes people see me and they think I'm like, uh, you know, some, some biker gang person. And then other times of the year, they're like, oh, you have an Afro um so yeah the, you catching me at the point in time where the beard was chopped off and, and the hair is at like a uh, medium length yeah it's almost a very chia pettish but i can appreciate it you know yeah. the many looks of mario but uh what we're going to talk about today is we're in week 17 it feels kind of weird to have a or it uh, to have a championship your fantasy championship in week 17 because traditionally it's been a 17 week season but next week yeah. is the dead week um do you have any uh, any thoughts like people were complaining oh the season's too long but it's kind of the same thing for fantasy but what's an extra week yeah i mean i'm my i am uh as brain dead as you would normally be at the end of a season. Like I don't, it's not like I'm getting a second wind to carry me through this, this end here. But one thing that, uh, you know, one thing people could do to prepare for this, what seems like a new kind of era of fantasy football, this lengthened NFL season and, and whatever complications come with that is uh, you could play fantasy baseball or basketball. Cause anyone who's played fantasy baseball and basketball, they come in and play football. They're like, Oh, that was comparatively easy. I didn't have to grind nearly as much. So um, it looks like we're just kind of in for a there's, there's like a new grind element to, to fantasy football that that maybe didn't exist before. But I think we'll eventually adjust to it. 
Yeah, but it's not the, I don't think, I think people are mistaken because it's not the extra week that's making it a grind. It's the, it's the COVID season You're that's right, making yeah. it the grind. You know, and because all the of, other crap that's been going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause if this was just a regular season, another week, fine, no big deal. But yeah. anyway, we are, where we are, and we are in the era of that. It doesn't matter what advice you give on Tuesday, cause it's going to be completely different on Thursday. So the advice we give you today Hopefully it lasts through the through the end of the weekend. But as you know, keep your phone, keep your notifications on, and everything's subject to change. But let's um, let's break down some of these games. Tell people who they should be starting in your fantasy championship. If you're watching on the live stream, tell us who uh, if they, w- that you made your championship. Let us know how many leagues you made it in. So just put that in the comments, and we'll try to get back to you as we can. Uh, starting with the one o'clock slate, Tennessee is a three and a half point favorite. Miami coming to town. Uh, let's just talk about the Tennessee side first. Uh, AJ Brown just makes this team a, a completely different animal, right? I mean, so uh, are you starting Ryan Tannehill? Go through some of the key players, and with AJ Brown back, who's startable? Well, I'm kind of a not that I actually hate the guy. I don't. I actually think he's a pretty good quarterback, but I'm kind of a lower on Tannehill than most people, so I'm rarely going to give the uh you know any more than median point view on him and usually beneath that so i don't trust him to play well against really any defense in particular and the dolphins they blitz a lot that could burn them that that could just backfire uh especially if if they let Tannehill get that deep drop get aj brown deep into his route if you let that play get to a certain point they just kind of fold you up as a defense no matter how well your pass rush is, is getting to them otherwise you can't let that one play happen and uh, AJ Brown uh, basically never fails once it gets to that point, but that 49ers game was also an extreme example of how Tannehill can literally do nothing else at times over a course of a game. Like he didn't get the ball to anybody else in that game. So I think we can count on AJ Brown to do a certain amount of damage for his own part. And, you know, hopefully enough to make his fantasy people happy, but there being enough for Tannehill's investors to be happy, I think comes down to at least one rushing touchdown, which at one at once could happen, but is also, you know, maybe a, a riskier proposition than some other quarterbacks might face. You know, throughout this podcast, what we're going to also do is, is fans of Mario, fans of John know that they are the gold standard for rookie analysis and for dynasty. And in addition to their offseason dynasty podcast, we're going to be adding some more dynasty content. We're going to be doing a show on Monday. Uh, I'll be hosting that. We'll have Mario on. And so we're going to reference Superflex dynasty rankings, which we just put up on the site. Mario has his one QB dynasty rankings, which he's going to uh, sand down and, and get those ready for January. Or is it a January 15th launch? Uh, will you have those in order? Uh, well, I've, I've been working on them in uh, the past couple of days, but not uh, not nearly to the depth and uh, precision that you have. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would think I could get it done before the fifteenth. But uh, I'm giving you not, some. Ro- I'm giving you some. Yeah, rope yeah. There. yeah. I, I, I might end up needing it, so I'm. Uh, we'll, we'll see. It's it, at the latest, yeah. I guess. Right. When we start our official dynasty season, I mean, I think the second week in January starts our dynasty season. So you're going to hear us refer to these dynasty rankings, which you can get right now for free at rotowire.com forward slash try 10 day trial, get all our premium content. So where do you think that uh, in super flex format, but it doesn't really matter. You talked about Tannehill being kind of like a middling grade. Where do you think, don't look, where do you think that I have him in our quarterback rankings or where do you, where would you put him in our quarterback rankings? Don't I don't have so any? I, I know, I'm not looking right now, but I, I did look at your rankings, and I did. Uh, I feel like I picked up the general uh, 
theme kind of philosophy behind it. So I'm guessing you have the rookies a little higher than maybe no uh, rookie. I don't have any rookies. I have current rookies. No next year rookies. Oh, sorry, that's what I meant. I mean, so so I mean to say, like, I bet he's well behind even um, you know certainly Trey Lance and uh, Justin Fields, Mac Jones probably. So I guess I would put. I guess I'd imagine you have Tannehill at like quarterback. 18 or something yeah and i think that's where i should have him i have him a little lower than that uh, oh okay you know I, well but, i won't no, criticize that yeah no i i have him 23 oh okay and again this takes into account not where i think that is he's the 23rd best quarterback this takes into account where i think the market will be on him as well right. i try to bake bake market adp projections into my rankings so if i'm ahead on market i'll be aggressive if i'm below market and people want to follow my rankings i'll be below so obviously on a in 2022, I do believe Ryan Tannehill will score more fantasy points than Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. but I'm going to rank Zach Wilson a little bit higher because his long term projection, age, all that kind of stuff. So that that's how I do it. Yeah, that makes sense to me, right. and I, I I will definitely uh, support your your movement to have Tannehill any lower as well. Okay, good, good. <laughs> all right, so Julio Jones at this point. You just, I mean, just drop him in your, if you're redraft for your championship league, let somebody else pick him up thinking he's still good if, if that's what they want to do. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it seems like he can't play. It's it's uh, frustrating, but it, like the question of anything in particular seems moot. Like, we don't know if he can play. Yep. So, yeah, that's that. Flip over to the other side of the ball, Miami. Okay, forget Miami's backfield for a second because it's anybody's guess on any weekend. But sort out, is Jalen Waddle now just like, moving forward for next year for this week put him in there set it forget it status yeah waddle is a total star i think and the funny thing is uh, th- this is this is something that people who have only seen him in the nfl might not realize he's not even supposed to be the kind of player that he's been for the dolphins at alabama he was just murderously good downfield just 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 unstoppable pretty much every time the ball went his way it was something gigantic happened he won't always be an underneath specialist i think I mean, I guess we need, at the very least, the offensive line in Miami to improve, and maybe it's fair to suggest he might need a better quarterback than Tua Tunga-Vailoa, but that's a more bleak possibility because he's probably not going anywhere quite so soon. Um, But if they start throwing downfield a little better, however they do it, then you're going to see uh, a Tyreek Hill kind of year one to year two transformation because Tyreek Hill actually averaged under 10 yards a catch his first season. And uh, not that Waddle's that fast. He's not particularly close to that fast, but Waddle is good at worst in all the athleticism respects and the skill element that the wide receiver just ability is off the charts. Like I think guys like Jalen Waddle and Elijah Moore are kind of what people, the biggest like Deontay Johnson fans wanted Deontay Johnson to be, which is to say like, he's got all that skill, that ability, the moxie at receiver and everything, but he doesn't have the athleticism that these two do. So I think you're going to see Waddle become one of those, uh, you know, top, top uh, 20 kind of overall players in fantasy football and PPR anyway, pretty soon because he's already shown the ability to thrive, uh, dominate even as a play as a, a role that doesn't really exactly fit his skill set. It's just the, the inability of the dolphins to throw down field is why Waddle has been mostly underneath, but he can do everything. And I think he will. I think that it's an interesting, like when you, when you step back and you look at the arc of his dynasty perception, he went from like a bust projection. Now, again, not that anyone thought he was going to be a bust in the NFL, but everyone's like, oh, they overdrafted him. What a stupid pick. They should have taken oh. uh, a lineman at 
I think I was guilty of saying that myself. And then he went to being like, oh, okay, this is an interesting pick to, oh, wait, he's startable every week to now he has elite pedigree and elite dynasty status. I have him as wide receiver nine in our dynasty superflex rankings. Yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm a super fan of Waddles. I, if, if anything, I'm just going to encourage whatever, uh, if it's recklessly high, I'm just going to get that much more supportive of it because I'm just on board. I, I don't, yeah. I don't think there's, anything holding him back from i mean i guess even like a a guy like steve smith was pretty short too and he was he was so fierce with the ball in the air and it, no one's going to be quite like that not even waddle but uh he showed that you don't exactly need you know aaron Rodgers to be a almost like mvp candidate level receiver and uh i think waddle can be that i think there's a i think he was definitely the best of, of those alabama wide receivers and i think in hindsight, all of them are really good. So uh, Waddle being the best must must mean he's he's a very top of the list in in the long term window, especially. I know uh, I've heard other people say what you said about Tua. They're not so sure about him, but even though he may not be there for you know three years from now, I mean, who knows what's going to happen next year? But isn't someone like Tua good for Waddle because of the deep connection that they had at Alabama? So even if he's not good for the team. Doesn't what we know about Tua to Waddle, isn't that a good connection for fantasy? Well, it's not uh, bad. And in, in, in any case, this rookie year has shown us sort of like a, what can be a worst case scenario for Waddle. It's like if he has a bad quarterback and the team's offensive line is the, the worst in the entire league and they can't throw 12 yards, then Waddle will catch 90 passes for, you know, whatever he's done this year. I haven't looked at what his updated right. numbers are, but this should be in any case, close to the worst case scenario for the, for the kind of surrounding conditions that he plays through. And um, I don't actually, I too is one of the toughest players for me to figure out. Cause I, I don't think he's conclusively bad. Like some people that I know who I trust with quarterbacks, they do believe he's just straight up non-viable and I'm not quite that low on him, but it, it has been discouraging in, in at some points. And especially the, the lack of the downfield throws. Like I thought that was the one thing we could count on him with coming out of Alabama. Cause he was, he was landing those bombs all the time, uh, way downfield, but uh, yeah, it hasn't happened yet. But the thing is, the offensive line there has been so bad too that I, I just don't think it's, it's not really fair to judge him on it. Like I, I at once accept somebody predicting that he could be the you know bad, whatever, awful, but I don't think there's evidence in his play specifically because the offensive line is just so awful. I don't think anyone could play there. So I'm actually more optimistic maybe than most people by a slim margin on Tua. Uh, if only because I, I think it's kind of like a non-applicable grade we have to give him so far. He he was like one of those flick of the wrist. Oh my god, it dropped right in the bucket. QBs in college, right in his in his peak, right. He would just was, right. Yeah. He's not like a gun quarterback, but uh, he's he's a uh, you know precise and uh, you know like yeah like a dart throwing kind of quarterback. Like he he put enough zip. It's not like you would wait for these ducks to land in college. Like that's not why he he's unable to throw. It's more like he's he's just kind of rattled or he's got this, you know, rhythm in his head, like three, two, one, get rid of it. And he's right to feel that way. He's right to assume that the heat is there because it is, it's just, uh, you know, in Alabama, it's kind of like, it's not that much different than Mac Jones at, at new England. Like he was landing bombs downfield all the time at Alabama too, but he, in his case, he just doesn't have the receivers to threaten that part of the field is, is what I think the problem is. Whereas with Miami and Tua playing there, like if he, if he waits for his receivers to get 45 yards downfield, like he did at Alabama, every other play, He's, you know, he's breaking something after a while. 
That sounds like a good decision. And you know what? One thing we appreciate here at Rotowire Mario is making good decisions and even more so the right decisions. So listen up, everybody. We have an incredible offer for you from Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook. WinBet is now exclusive sponsor of Rotowire Fantasy Podcast. WinBet brings you the latest action with user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, under overs, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. If you don't want a sports bet, you can go right into WinBet's digital casino, take a spin at roulette, double down at blackjack. WinBet is currently available in six states. While rapidly expanding at WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering Rotowire listeners a risk-free bet up to 500 bucks For your first wager, download the WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. It's like win the casino, right? WinBet, the exclusive partner of Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I was trying to purposely do a transition thing. I'm practicing my, uh, my Joe Buck level of uh, transitions, you know? <laughs> I thought it was good. All right. I I always feel like I'm listening to a pro, Alan. Ah, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm always surprised when you're like, oh, I was was work tweaked, uh, tinkering on something, trying to get this right. I didn't didn't notice (laughs) it was ever wrong. That's awesome, brother. I appreciate that. Uh, All right. So let's pick this game real quick. It's uh, Tennessee, always dangerous, three and a half points, giving it home. Uh, Miami come in, getting the field goal and the hook. What do you like? Yeah, I would take the Tennessee side. A guy like Jeffrey Simmons could really cause problems for that interior Miami line where they've got a a couple bums, I imagine, and Austin Jackson, who started the year as their left tackle. Now he's failing at left guard. Uh, Those guys going against Jeffrey Simmons is a problem. And uh, I guess with Tennessee kind of easily shutting down the run, you don't really you don't really expect Duke Johnson to break back out here. So um, I do, I will say, I think Devonte Parker and, and Jalen Waddle are pretty dangerous for the Tennessee defense, but uh, Christian Fulton's been playing really well. You'd think he'd be on uh, Parker here. Waddle largely benefited, I would say from like the outside coverage, Paulson Adebo and Marshawn Lattimore being so good for the saints. Cause it just forced the ball back inside in the slot where Waddle tends to run. So he should, Waddle should keep going here. I just don't know if, um, if we can expect Waddle in a, in a basically one-on-one matchup with AJ Brown's production. Uh, and I, I don't really, I don't really think it's fair to expect him to keep up there, especially when, when that offensive line for Miami can just fall apart. Yeah. I think that this is going to be a battle. The half, the hook gets me over to the Miami side, but I do agree with you that Tennessee should win this game, but I think it's going to be a field goal game. So I'll take that hook. All right, let's move along. Buffalo, big favorites, 14 and a half points, Atlanta coming in. Uh, you know, we've seen games like this in the NFL season where like, oh, yeah, you just take Buffalo. They're going to crush them. But Atlanta has been like a they're like a good, bad team. They're they're there they, on their best day. They they're competitive. They have players we like. Let's first talk about the buff. And we've seen big underdogs fall this year, especially lately. Um Start with Josh Allen. I mean, it's this is the first time in a long time we've seen the QB one go back to back in fantasy. Right. I mean, if usually the QB one falls to like QB four or, or deeper, this is going to be back to back years for Josh Allen. Is he going to be your QB one heading into next year and in redraft or would you do it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would bet that for a technical QB one, he has a pretty low win rate this year because he really struggled early in the year. He had a couple nasty dud games that you basically can't afford taking in the fourth round or wherever he tended to go. So, um, he he's, he's really poured it on in a few games. In other words, granted lately, if you did make it in, you're doing well because he's, he did save some of his biggest games for uh, the fantasy playoffs. But uh, 
the one thing that I would say about him is I won't count on a 2020 level of passing production. I guess we'll see if they, if they get Gabe Davis on the field more instead of like Cole Beasley, that would be helpful if they got uh, a speed guy sort of to be their new John Brown outside. That would, that would help too. Cause the, I think it got a little harder for Allen when, when the field got shrunk on them this year, but uh, his rushing ability is he showed, you know, he can, he can lean on that sometimes even when he's really struggling as a passer. And if you're, if you're claiming the whole team's ground game, it doesn't matter if you struggle as a passer. So there's definitely a good case to make for him staying number one. Uh, I'll definitely have him ahead of like Lamar Jackson, who I didn't this year, especially if uh, the Ravens don't fire Greg Roman and hire someone who's who's not uh, a fool in his place. Kyler Murray, just you can't count on him to last the whole year at this point. So uh, it's, I guess, down to him and Mahomes. And I don't really know where I'll – it feels – it feels uh, – I don't know, wrong to go against Mahomes, but maybe it maybe it's the right choice. We'll see. In any case, in this game, I am not worried about the the Falcons making this a serious game. Like maybe they cover that. That is a lot of points, granted, right. uh, thirteen and a half, and now fourteen and a half. But uh, the Buffalo defense, I think, uh, basically will de- devour uh, the everything that the Falcons do vaguely well. I think the the Bills defense is well built to stop that. So, uh, granted, we did have that insane. Uh, Jacksonville game with Buffalo, uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I just I still consider this impossible for them to even like break a sweat in this one. I mean, the genie's out of the bottle with Isaiah McKenzie. I it was that, yeah, a that one was weird. <laughs> yeah, was weird. I mean, but he did do it last year too. When given the opportunity, he had a couple good games. So fantasy managers who are you know just are in deeper leagues with two flexers or three wide receivers in a flex, they're asking a lot of questions smartly. If they could play him again, would you advise someone in their championship game to go back to McKenzie? I mean, did the Buffalo Bills see that and say, hey, we got to get this guy six, seven targets in the Cole Beasley role? Well, uh, first of all, that was probably the best game of his entire career, maybe even going back to high school. Like in college, Isaiah McKenzie never did anything like that. Uh, He is he is very small. Like I, th- I think he's actually smaller than what he's listed at. I think he might be like five, seven, one seventy, something like that. And uh, he's also a bit of a fumbler. So uh, we'll see. he's doing, he's done better about that lately, but uh, that's, that's one way he's found the bench in the past, uh, despite being always in his NFL career and, and Georgia career. He's been a menace with the football. He's a terrifying returner. So uh, on the, on the one hand, uh, he's listed it, it makes, at five, by the way, he's listed at five, eight, one seventy three. Yeah, I think at the combine he might have been five seven, but uh, in any case, he's always been dangerous with the football. So last week was kind of the answer to the question of like what happens if you just give him the ball that many times, and uh, nothing went wrong there. Uh, obviously, it just it, it was uh, like he, he carried the offense arguably uh, in that game. So I think they're compelled to see what more he can do. Uh, and and uh, I don't know, it's like it, in this game, if if uh, if they don't need digs if they kind of make it a laugher early on, it's easy to imagine McKenzie staying involved over the course of the game, even even kind of like becoming their their lead target over the course of the game because they probably want to evaluate him more. They probably want to see, like, can he help us this way in the playoffs? Can we count on this happening again? Uh, so they have reason to see how much more he can do. The question of whether you play him in fantasy, I guess, just comes down to, like, how rich are you at receiver? If you're still going, you might be pretty good at receiver and maybe shouldn't mess with it. But well, let uh, me ask you this. Hold on. So like, what if, what if you have, like you had Mike Williams, so he's probably not playing again. So you got to choose. So I'm going to play Isaiah McKenzie, uh, or I'm going to play, uh, like Jarvis Landry type, like someone who'd be like wide receiver, like 27 in your ranks. Would you play McKenzie mm-hmm. over one of those guys? Well, I guess the other thing we got to keep an eye on is what the bills say they're going to do with Beasley. Cause if they're activating him off the thing and, uh, they say he's starting 
I can't. I don't know. Right. It's hard for me to say play McKenzie over Jarvis Landry if we if we think Beasley's playing so many as twenty snaps. Uh, but the Bills should do is just leave the better player. McKenzie is probably the better player than Beasley at this point. They should just leave him in. So if they do that, if they give us some indication that they're going to keep rolling with McKenzie, I would I would kind of like him more. Uh, but Jarvis Landry does have a certain floor offering that McKenzie can't in the event that Beasley plays 20 or more snaps. So would it be fair to say that if you're looking at the projections and you see yourself as like a 70-30 underdog, you may want to play McKenzie over a, a McKenzie a has the player. upside, definitely. Like if the upside is the pursuit, then Landry just categorically can't compete with him. Right. And if you're the 70-30 favorite in your championship matchup, you may want to go for that safer floor. So that decision will be based on your matchup and how you perceive it. Uh, go over to the other side of the ball a little bit. Uh, I know, you know, we what the story of 2021 fantasy football cannot be written without two players on the Atlanta side. Kyle Pitts was remained a, a story from the pre-draft process all the way through now. Right. I mean, he's an important player in redraft. He's an important player in dynasty. And then the story of Cordell Patterson, which is, is amazing. I mean, Cordell Patterson is more of a redraft for next year. I mean, where do you think, let's say nothing changes in Atlanta. Matt Ryan's still there or a comparable quarterback and Arthur Smith is still there and they don't add a running back of note. Where do you think is, uh, where do you think that Cordell Patterson's ADP will shake out for next year? I don't know. That's a tough one. I guess it's almost a little bit like when Damian Williams got hot with the Chiefs a few years ago and he was such a contested uh, like second, third round kind of range pick. And basically both sides, neither side was really right because he just got hurt and just kind of never really played that well, but uh, or not that much rather. Um, Corderell is... Uh, I can't remember a case like him. I mean, he's he's got the pedigree that Damian Williams never did as an undrafted player, te- technically being a first-round pick, although at another position. Uh, so he's a great athlete. Uh, the one thing is he's he's also he's also getting up there a bit in age already. Like he's he's be- thirty. He'll be thirty-one when we start next season. But oh, it's yeah. low mileage. I mean, you thought you were going to say like twenty-eight, right? He's thirty. No, I, I mean, I thought it might have been that. I was just kind of like crossing my fingers. I was hoping because <laughs> like I, I like in my head canon, like Cordell Patterson is just been around my whole life it feels like right. so I was, I was like hey, it was a first could... round pick when he yeah. came out and uh, it's him crazy. And Justin hunter were in the same draft and justin <laughs> hunter's been a you know in our distant past for years now uh so corderell is up there and the possibility of him being particularly close to a workhorse doesn't seem very high like i, I don't think he'll get as many touches per game as he did or per snap anyway as he did this year uh, so we'll see that I think they're going to have to do better than Mike Davis as a second running back. Like they're still trotting out Mike Davis at the beginning of games. So we'll see. I, I, I'm, I believe in Corderell's ability from scrimmage. I don't think any of that is a mirage, but I do think this year, um, you know, the touchdown carries the, some of the big play frequency might regress. And so we'll have to see where his price comes down. I think it's going to be a heated debate and there, there are going to be maybe some drafts where you get, um, you know, people who are unusually high and somewhere they're unusually low and ideally you can strike in the second case if you're if you're going to get him uh, yeah. but yeah I, I love Corderell I, I hope he does well if you're uh put in the comments if you're listening to this uh live stream where do you think Cordell Patterson's ADP will fall what round he'll fall in in next year's drafts uh I think that he probably can produce like a late first rounder early second rounder but I agree with you that he'll be great value that's what people will be saying in the end of the third round you know it's for those of you who we'll see i mean it, there's i think it's going to be a heated debate and it's, yep. it could be one of those things where if some big personality some big account like gets a certain narrative to take track you'll see it show up in the adp so 
we'll we'll see how the public opinion comes down on it. That that's always important. Uh, not that I would it's, I would bet a single nickel on this game, but uh, fourteen and a half points. Bills uh, Falcons. What, what would you take here? I would take the Bills because I so Matt Ryan gets reliably bad when you take him out of domes, and, and I, I think going to Buffalo has to be. It's it's in like the five worst places you'd go on the road, like along with Arrowhead and Foxborough or whatever else. So uh, Lambeau, I think that uh, the Falcons are at very serious shutout risk here and the bills oh. are likely to go over 30 points. Uh, dynasty ranking. We're always going to come back to that since we're getting into that season coming up in a month. And we have a lot of dynasty players that listen to you. Kyle Pitts is the tight end one still in dynasty. Oh, well, I think there's a case to make for, uh, especially guys like Kittle and Waller, who I realize they're not exactly young, but uh, Kittle 28 and a half, Waller 29 and a half. Uh, so, what is Kelsey's like 33 now? So, if they can give you another four years of outproducing Pitts, will we look at that fifth year and say, well, it was still right to have Pitts ahead because now no. he's better? So, I, it's it's up in the air to me. I don't really have a strong, I tend to think of it as tears, I guess. And I'm a Pitts optimist, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a I think he's actually done amazing this year. The the thing that's the reason he's disappointed is because Matt Ryan and I get not not that it's Matt Ryan's fault exactly. His production Matt Ryan's production is disappointed for reasons that maybe Matt Ryan couldn't control, but that was the issue here. Like if if you look at Kyle Pitts's numbers, if you if you thought he was going to be on the verge of 1000 yards going into the 16th game, you would have said like, "Oh yeah, he's he's worth buying at that price because we figured he'd have more touchdowns at the very least and and better consistency." I realize he's had basically like three or four viable games and then a lot of duds right. well he um, hasn't gotten hurt so it's a it's an accumulation play but again that's a skill right not well, getting he's super hurt. he's 9.4 yards per target as a player who turned 21 in the season in an offense that's nowhere near that figure it's like it's it's the pie that's the issue with the falcons offense it's too small and there wasn't enough to go around it's like we went uh, drafting pits thinking that this would be an offense where Matt Ryan threw for like 4,400 yards, Calvin Ridley leading the way, drawing some of the coverage away from Pitts, And that wasn't what happened. Pitts had to carry the whole offense. And it's, it's to me impressive that he only uh, uh, like the touchdowns is the only thing wrong with his numbers. Basically. If he had, if he had eight touchdowns instead of one, there would be basically no criticism of him. Yeah. Uh, 9.4 yards per target is way above the team baseline. And he was the lead target. So it's impressive. The problem is Matt Ryan must have had like one of the highest uh, league totals for games throwing under 170 yards. And uh, there's only so much one player can do about that. Obviously, it was not worth the pick at that price, but it's 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 not that he failed. The reason that people were cold on Pitts at his ADP was like he's going to fail. He's a rookie tight end. He's too young. Rookie tight ends never do well. He did well. The team did not. Right. Um, so anyway, I think Pitts is, is the man. I think he's going to be uh, the best tight end ever, basically. Uh, our so. yeah, our colleague Chris List often says is yeah. On average, tight ends fail, but if you find out or if you're going to cross a river and on average it's four feet deep, it's a fool's errand to cross that river because it could be one inch deep when it starts and it could be forty feet deep in the middle. So you don't want to say on average this river is four, you know, is a uh, four feet deep because that could sink you. Yes, on average, rookie tight ends fail, but when it's Kyle Pitts. He's not the average tight end. So I think that that makes sense. And that's why I have him as the tight end one in our dynasty rankings. But you said something important. There's five tight ends that I like that are just every week, plug them and play them. And I will be drafting the cheapest one. So if you want to take Kyle Pitts tight end one, or if you want to take Mark Andrews, he ends up being tight end four. That's fine. I mean, you didn't. 
Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I, Matt Ryan only threw – he's up 35-55 going into this 16th game. I, I thought for sure he'd be over 4,000 yards going into this year. And, man, if he had, Pitts would have been looking much better yet. Would have been a slam dunk tight end one in rankings, I guess. Yeah, I, I think there's more than a 50% chance that Kyle Pitts will be catching passes from another quarterback next year. Uh, you Hopefully know, Arthur- with a better offensive line, too, more than anything. That's fair. That's fair. And we, that'll, this is going to be one of the most interesting quarterback shuffle off seasons and all the dynasty rankings that I, that I put up that you've put up for your one QB rankings, which you can get right now for free at rotowire.com forward slash try. They're probably going to get mixed up once the quarterback shuffle happens. Oh yeah. Devontae Adams, his dynasty value is heavily tied to where who his quarterback is. And if it's not Aaron Rodgers, that is a problem. All right, let's move on. Got a lot of games to cover, but before we move on, I just want to let everybody know that the NFL season is heating up for the playoffs and Yahoo is going big on DFS. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the year with Yahoo, including a multi-entry contest that's shark-free. To celebrate, Yahoo is going big on DFS as they do a shark-free $1 million prize pool with $100,000 for first. Mario, did you ever, have you played uh, DFS over at um, Yahoo at all? Uh, I haven't. I've. I've That's fair. That's yeah, fair. A lot I, of I'm just too it. lazy. But it, it it looked nice when I looked yeah. at it. Uh, yeah. No. I'm, and again, that's why we're doing. That's why they're trusting us to do this spot because I played it the other day and it's a great interface. The pricing is a little bit softer, so you can do more things. And there's not a lot of sharks there, so there's winnable contests and there's tons of overlay because most people don't play over there. So you're entering a contest with that's supposed to be you know ten thousand people and there's like six thousand people in it. So it, it really increases your equity. So you. Know, Know, give it a I shot to look into that yeah. yeah no it's it definitely like i said because i'm a casual dfs player yeah, and i you know i'll get eaten up by the sharks unless i get lucky so it's a good spot to play and they have a little promo going on right now if you go over there and uh you visit yeah sports.yahoo slash com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to get a free ten dollar offer okay you get a free 10 bucks uh to play in any contest all right, let's move on. Next matchup that uh, is Jacksonville is co- oh, there's a lot of big spreads on the board. Jacksonville is going into New England. New England is up to fifteen and a half right now. Uh, I mean, I would you say know, higher yet. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably yeah. I mean, this may have been the opening line. I, I would probably going to close at like seventeen and a half. Uh, you had I, I heard you on. I think it was on Sirius or uh, yeah, it was you were talking about. Trevor Lawrence. Now he's going to be an interesting dynasty rank for next year. Yeah. You had the optimistic, you actually persuaded Chris listen. You persuaded the listeners. So you made a great case because there's going to be people that are lower on him. He was a first round dynasty Superflex startup pick last year. I've seen him. I've done one draft already. I know I'm a sicko where he's fallen to the back end of the second round, even in Superflex. make the case for Trevor Lawrence moving forward. Well, the, the case for the future is still, kind of pending an improvement in the surrounding conditions, right? Like I'm even, I am not going to be super gung ho if he's going into next year with like LaVisca Chenault and Laquan Treadwell as a starting receivers and James O'Shaughnessy as a starting tight end. That, that would be pretty discouraging because this is not an NFL roster that he's playing with right now. I, I think even DJ Chark being out there would have made a huge difference, especially at this point in the season, especially after urban Meyer was fired, but you can play a style of defense that defends maybe 15 yards of the field and you will never be hurt by this offense the way that its receiver personnel is right now and you watch the the tape of of Lawrence it looks a lot better than the numbers and I I admit the numbers look completely non-viable if you if you run a historical he he has one touchdown in the last eight games I think 
Yeah, like if you run a query for like other quarterbacks who have his numbers, it's probably like Blaine Gabbard or something like that. And I don't know, nobody else. Uh, so I understand the pessimism and I, I'm not saying anyone is wrong to have it. But when I watch the tape, I still think he looks awesome. I think uh, you see these throws that the receivers are just dropping and uh, th- these are lasers way downfield. He sets up quickly in the pocket. He he still has poise. Like at least he's not looking like he's shook at this point. I think he's a winner. So I I, I trust him to handle himself in this is this like rebuild that they need to do. Uh, I th- I hope they keep Chark. Actually, I, I think they should. He should be cheap coming off of the injury, heading into free agency. At least like get him to a one year prove it deal kind of thing. And as long as they get that speed threat, like. Lawrence specifically would thrive downfield like this, his ability to set up quickly uh, in deep pocket setups and, and just shoot these lasers down the field. Uh, I think it's, it kind of goes to waste if you're running like a West coast offense kind of thing. And even if you're doing like a play action, heavy downfield strike offense, it's like, that's a, that's a starting point. That's a little better, but I want to see like two speed, two corners threats at the outside receiver spots and by the corner i mean the corner of the end zone somebody who makes those safeties know like you have to turn and run you have to be prepared to every play because if you're if you're opening opening up the field to him that way those lasers just there's so much room for him to to, to shoot through and i think i think it's going to clearly work but it's not going to work with quan treadwell and marvin jones running those routes uh, especially if they're going to drop the ball the few times they do get open at all so i think that with urban meyer being just the worst coach ever having so many of these snaps, so many of these targets going to guys like Laquan Treadwell and Jamal Agnew, uh, LaVisca Chenault playing out of position, Dan Arnold. Uh, I, I just, I don't think any of it's really applicable. Uh, like I think it's a non-applicable grade that he gets. So um, I'm still looking at him from the, the prospect profile of coming into the league. I'm, I'm basically putting up a blank season in between 2020 and 2022. And uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to assume that it just gets rosy. Like we got to see, uh, it would be nice, for instance, if this fool owner would at least fire Trent Balky, this the snake Trent Balky, instead of keeping him around. The guy who wanted to hire uh, the racist strength and conditioning coach from Iowa, the guy who wanted to do all these stupid things, you know, of course, with the 49ers, even beforehand, uh, he, he did a bad enough job to not get considered for this one, let alone keep it after the kind of year that they had. Um, but if they did get Chark back and if they added another pretty good fast guy at the other receiver spot get Chenault in the slot where he might actually be able to play then we're talking again and and I'll be pretty interested but in the meantime the the Jaguars need to look like a vaguely functional organization which they they definitely are not for the most part. okay here's your unrestricted free agents coming in uh to this year this is who they could sign if you know I mean Will obviously Fuller well yeah you got Will Fuller but you know again you, you're gonna rely on that I mean that would be great when Will Fuller's on the field but you got Allen Robinson wouldn't that be amazing if he goes back to Jacksonville Chris I Godwin. wouldn't uh yeah I wouldn't like him so much I want speed yeah. right well let me just go down to your top right. six or seven no no and if you Jump in when you hear one that you, that's interesting to you. So Allen Robinson, we agree that's not the right fit. It would be interesting. Chris Godwin, scratch him off for – I mean, someone's going to give him a contract, but he's not going to be there for at least the first eight games, ten games, um, to, which is, by the way, keep that in mind when you're drafting next year. Chris Godwin had a late season, was ACL, so he's likely – I mean, I, I'd be shocked if he comes back before week eight. Uh, Devontae Adams is not leaving Green Bay um, without the franchise tag. They're not letting him go anywhere. You just mentioned Will Fuller, and then you got T.Y. Hilton. Still has some speed, but a little bit washed up. Juju, Emmanuel Sanders, A.J. Green. Keel, this is not a great list. Mike Williams. Uh, I mean, Antonio Brown theoretically is a, is, um, is a free agent. I mean, I'm looking at Odell Beckham. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, that would be more like it. Like him, he would be fine. Uh, I, I don't know how much he's going to cost, but that that is the kind of guy that I want. You know, because so someone might remember me as a Chenault critic because there at one point was the debate like Chenault or Chark, and I was like, Chark is clearly their number one wide receiver. Chenault can't run downfield, and at the time, people were the biggest Chenault fans were like, Oh, he's Des Bryant. It's going to be great. Like, no, he's not. He's not Des Bryant. But I do think he can play in the slot. I think he can be Muhammad Sanu. And you can have Muhammad Sanu on the field when you have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. You know, that's that's when he that's when Muhammad Sanu is the best Muhammad Sanu he can be. So I want that speed on the field. Beckham would do it. Will Fuller would do it if he miraculously uh, plays, I guess. But yeah, the Jaguars do need to be seriously looking at this rookie class, which I still got to research those guys. I don't it, it looks like it's going to be an awesome class one way or another, whatever the order of the names is. But yeah, I still got to figure out what I think about those guys. Okay, moving over to the Patriots side a little bit. Uh, you know, Mac Jones, by all accounts, has has been a good fit in New England. Uh, he's a you know, let's call it a boring good pick for next year, especially in super flex leagues where that's what I want my quarterback to be. I want someone that's just stable that has the job that's going to be a a caretaker. But for your Week Seventeen championship, is there any running back that you would feel comfortable starting? Damian Harris after his three touchdown outburst, uh, you are you good starting him? Yeah, I like Harris, and it, if uh, if Stevenson's ready to go, I don't know what the latest is with him. Like this, this spread is, I think, on the right track. And when there's a, a victory of this degree, multiple running backs can get involved, especially when it's a run based offense like this one. So Harris, at least, and and maybe Stevenson too. I've been a little disappointed uh, in Johnu Smith in redraft leagues. He was dropped a long time ago, but I, I play in a lot of these tight end premium two tight end leagues where he's rostered everywhere. Why do you think Johnu Smith? He was we, he was inside of most people's you know top twelve going into the season. If not, he wasn't much lower than that. Why do you think he failed from a fantasy perspective so much this year? Uh, because they paid him a ton of money to not catch passes, and I don't know yeah. why they want to run that offense, but. Um, yeah, Johnny Smith is is quite a bit shorter than than Hunter Henry. I guess they're a similar weight, uh, but yeah, they they haven't used Johnny Smith anything like the Aaron Hernandez kind of role, which he could definitely do. I don't understand why they haven't. Um, it seemed like for a few weeks they were trying to get him going as a pass catcher, but they basically don't give him routes. They're trying to use him like Kyle Buschek or something, uh, <laughs> paying him as the fourth highest paid tight end in the league to do it, paying him more than Hunter Henry to do it. Um, I don't know. I, I think clearly there was a way for him to work in this offense. And maybe part of the problem is the receiver personnel, like all the receivers they have. Uh, there's a, Nelson Aguilar, who just isn't good. And then there's a bunch of guys who can't run further than 10 yards downfield. So, yeah, if all of your if you have four route runners on a play and they're all running within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage every single play, you're probably not going to have room for Johnny Smith uh, to step in there. It's like the receivers are going to take precedent. The more inline tight end, even who is Hunter Henry. Uh, would probably be closer. So I think they need a speed receiver to to make the field bigger, give Johnny room to run routes. Uh, in the meantime, it doesn't exist, and they're basically making him a very fast offensive lineman, which, uh, you know, Bill Belichick is a great coach. He will apparently always be terrible at evaluating talent on offense, and he'll never know how to spend his resources there. Yeah, I I don't know what the cap situation is. I think a lot of these, these contracts that were head scratchers in the offseason with Kendrick Bourne, uh, Nelson Aguilar, the two tight ends have tied up money at least for 2022 because 
some of the free agents, uh, I thought last year Chris Godwin might have been headed there. Obviously, that didn't happen. But Allen Robinson and Juju Smith-Schuster are the two free agents that I would keep an eye on. But I don't know how they're going to do it with, um, you know, with their cap room right now. Let's just keep moving on just so we can cover all these games. The next game is uh, another 1 o'clock game. The Las Vegas Raiders are going into Indianapolis. The Colts are six-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, let's start with the, the Vegas side. It's it's been an interesting year there. Uh, you know, Derek. Do you think Derek Carr will remain the quarterback? Uh, yeah, the, like I don't that. think there's a. I don't think there's enough uh, uh, alternatives. And I'm not a Carr fan. I just don't think there's any good quarterbacks coming in. And he's good enough, right? Yeah, he's he good enough. Do, Best he they can do, do everything. Yeah, he's like a. And he'll fall in that like in reality. He's probably what like the 14th or the 18th best QB in that range. Better than Tannehill, I'll say. Uh, yeah, Correct. I don't know where exactly, but he's he's clearly a better option than these rookie quarterbacks coming into. Okay, so now for the dynasty players out there, they're going to want to know about Brian Edwards. First, just where were you on Brian Edwards during the evaluation process? I mean, he went in the third round his rookie year. He, he was a popular breakout candidate this year. Didn't really do it. Are you optimistic about him moving forward? Is he someone that you're going to be drafting in a dynasty startup? So if he's almost free in dynasty leagues, then I, I definitely support getting him. Cause I think he's a good player, but he's not good at what the Raiders asked him to do this year. And I don't know why this has to be so difficult. Sometimes he, he does certain things. Well, they asked him to do none of those things. They asked him to be basically what they sh- should have been asking Deshaun Jackson to do what they're asking Zay Jones to do now uh, in light of Edwards, never getting open downfield. But they're giving him average depth of target, like 15 yards downfield. And to me, Brian Edwards is is basically Michael Thomas as a prospect. Uh, hopefully not so crazy. But he is a guy who you you use in the underneath and intermediate. Uh, the underneath, if they're giving him too much cushion. The intermediate, if they're playing press coverage against him. he's a, he, he can play the sideline. I'm not saying he's just like an inside kind of receiver. He can play the sideline. And he can make downfield plays. But he's not going to make downfield plays if the corners are sitting off and and preparing for an average depth of target of 15 yards. He's not fast enough to threaten them that way. Carr isn't good enough at throwing in that part of the field either. So Zay Jones runs a 4-4-5. He at the very least can can run a little bit. So he's doing better in this role than Edwards was because Edwards can't get to the break point in the route as fast as Jones can. And uh, if they lowered his depth of target to something more appropriate, like 9.5, 10.5, I think you'd see Edwards' target rate skyrocket. But the design of the Vegas offense does not afford that possibility. So that, that was before Waller got hurt, even, even after. They didn't adjust anything to get Edwards more targets. So I don't see how it gets better exactly. I think he's being misused, but that's not, that's, that's not necessarily going to change, you know? So I, I don't really – I don't want to advise optimism, but if he's free, I kind of just generally like the idea of acquiring what I think is free talent, even if I'm not really sure how it's going to work out. Yeah, the, 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 and I agree with your, your analysis there. The problem is um, the way I play Dynasty is I want to load up on those Justin Jackson type of running backs in those later rounds. I want to go mean, oh, lean enough. and I want to go lean and mean at wide receiver in these drafts. That's like my new strategy. I just want my plug and play him, and then I want to win running back and windows. But yeah, if if you're going wide receiver there and you want to bet on a, a 13th round player in a in a 20 round startup, a 25 round startup, I, I think he's a, a still a good target. Uh, Fill in, fill in the sentence right here. Fill in the blank. Remember when we used to play this game at school? It would be like, Josh Jacobs right now is RB blank. Don't look, Mario. Oh, actual scoring. Okay. Yep. Uh, through, through uh, 18. 
Oh, you are good at this, man. RB17, you are good at this. All right. I still believe in Jacobs' profile um, for next year. He is like literally one of the least favorite players to watch right now. He's so boring. But... I hate that offense. I think he's okay. I don't even, I was never a fan and I, I feel the need to defend him at times now because I just hate that offense so much. Right. But are you willing to take Josh Jacobs? I think he's not going to go until like the fifth or sixth round. He'll go in what got in termed the. Yeah, and redraft yeah, next year, he'll that. be termed it. Yeah, I would so. have done it this year, and I, I think if he hadn't gotten hurt, if they had a pretty brutal schedule, the circumstances weren't favorable. Like I, I don't think he's anywhere near as sluggish as his yards per carry would lead someone to believe, for instance. I think he definitely has it in him to have the, the first two seasons of his NFL career. One of those two seasons could easily happen next year, I think. Yes, and speaking about uh, the, the, and I like that too. But I still believe in him. He's still young. He's a first round running back. Uh, he's had RB one finish before, so that that's a profile to invest in, especially when the price gets low. Uh, so I still like him, especially where you know his market perception is is horrible. Uh, and we'll see what they add. Uh, tight ends there. You got Waller and you got Foster Moreau. We actually had a question that pertained to Foster Moreau, so we can kind of take that as a ten thousand foot view. You like Moreau, right? I mean, no, yeah. Waller might be coming back though this week. Is it? Do you know the latest on him? I don't. Uh, if Waller's back, then Moreau is a no go because normally they try to keep him as like a mobile blocker for some right. reason. Uh, it, like I don't know, especially if they're not going to give Edwards routes that he can actually run. Like then get Moreau involved somehow. I don't know. Just stop this, this, this Zay Jones offense. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's, I think that's been, that's been another interesting thing this year. The Zay good Jones for him, like, though, I just, yeah. yeah, it's like, uh, man, it took a while, but it's, it's, it's good that he's, he's doing something. I think Moreau is good. And if they, if they keep giving him usage, I, I definitely, um, like his chances, but, uh, let me see. Sorry. Who the, uh, our, who our, uh, our guy, Scott says that he thinks Waller was put on the COVID list. If that's true. And you have more, if you know, I have to, I'm not doing the, if, Again, news is coming fast and furious. So that's what we rely on you, the chat. The chat helps us. The chat is part of, you know what? We've seen a lot of, of fantasy football podcasts evolve into live streams and. The audience is now the third podcaster. I love it. Some people get a, you know, they they see it as intrusive. I love that we're lucky enough to have the audience participate. So thank you to any of those who ask questions and uh, and and put comments in there. We rely on you. You're our researcher. You're our producer. So yeah, I I, I still like Foster Moreau as a player, and I certainly one of the questions was, would you play him over Cole Komet? That's what you know. They'll be ranked similarly. In um, I think I go with Moreau actually. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, no problem there. And let, let's switch over to the Colts side of the ball jonathan taylor i mean you don't need us you don't need any fantasy advice to tell you to play jonathan taylor and i think that there is not going to be one set of fantasy rankings that doesn't have him as the number one overall player in traditional one qb redraft leagues i think the more interesting question for next year mario is would you take jonathan taylor over any of the quarterbacks in dynasty startup Superflex leagues so I have not played in Superflex Dynasty, and I I don't have a good sense for it. Uh, with that said, what that means is the, that you need to get a big into a Jonathan Flex. Taylor fan. I mean, quarterbacks can play at a certain elite level for like 10, 12 years if they're good enough. The best running back realistically has like three or four years at most if they're they're kind of lucky, you know. So uh, I I don't want to like say something bad will ever happen to Jonathan Taylor, but it's much more likely than him than a quarterback so if Mahomes Herbert uh whoever we're thinking is is a top three kind of quarterback annually for 10 years I, I guess there's in a super flex format it's it's tough to I guess say him ahead of them well here here's and I think a lot of 
uh, sharp analysts like yourself are going to uh, going to go there because that is a very sound and probably the high the high yield analysis. But here is the case that I would say if somebody took Jonathan Taylor first, and I'm not saying I would do this, but here's the case is that on the two three turn when you pick next, you could probably still in dynasty get two good quarterbacks that are a little bit aged. You might be able to get like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, whereas. Who are the running backs you're going to get? You could, there's going to be good options there, but you're looking more at like a Leonard Fournette type or probably more likely taking you know your tight end of your flavor or a decent wide receiver. So I guess that, the, that there's going to be good quarterbacks on the next turn is the argument against it. But, you know. Yeah, if you resolve to take those two quarterbacks, that actually – that would be a good uh, win now kind of way to go too, I guess. And, and right. uh, there's always – we should always try to win now, even though we we are always tempted by those prospects and such. Yeah, I'm working on a, a dynasty article that I'm going to be posting, you know, in a couple of weeks. Because I'm just trying to massage it out a little bit, but it's the five pillars of dynasty. And dynasty, everyone always thinks like, "Hey, I need you know, this guy's going to be good for five years or eight years or fifteen years." You know, you hear people say that a lot. And most dynasty leagues don't last that long. And if you're in one that does, no. I think dynasty is best played in two year windows, maybe three tops. Uh, because I mean, look back at what the magazine covers looked like two years ago, three years ago. There's some of the, what was it? David Johnson on the front, Todd Gurley. Those guys aren't even like you know relevant. Uh, Wire had a had a good little tradition of curses going there for a ah. while. We had Vince Young on one, and uh, what, like Baker Mayfield or something. A few days. But those were and, and those were reasonable long term yeah. outlooks that just you know fizzle out. So uh, I, I think that we have to reshape our mind a little bit. But yes, I I think that. Jonathan, it's going to be, it's not like if somebody took Jonathan Taylor first in a super flex league over the quarterbacks, you wouldn't say, oh, what an idiot. You'd just be like, no. oh, okay, this guy's playing it a little bit. A lot of gray different. area with this stuff. Yeah, totally. All right. On the, uh, on the, on staying on the Colts side of this game and before we move on, anybody else uh, interest you is um, Michael Pittman. Uh, you, he's a stardom, right? For him. Yeah, it should be fine. Like Casey Hayward's going to follow him around and Casey Hayward's not going to let him get away, but Pittman doesn't really need to get open. Uh, doesn't need separation specifically to, to be open, I guess. Would you call him like a true alpha? Like, is he a, a amongst the, the alpha wide receivers or is he? No, is he, he's, okay. he's good. He's, he's Malcolm Floyd. That's it. And uh, I know like there's, there's a lot of hype around him. Great. You can tell that the Ballard, really was like leaning on Reich and maybe Reich was on board with it. I don't know if they have a pack together or something. They're like, we got to get Pittman's numbers up. Like they're giving these short throws to him that they would get definite better yardage, like especially earlier this year, if they had given it to Paris Campbell instead, but it's like, they wanted to establish Pittman. So that at once assures him a certain target share and it assures he'll be uh, more consistent than, than most receivers, but he doesn't have the raw talent in my ability. And even if he did, he doesn't have the quarterback play to get into that sort of elite tier it's like he's kind of trapped in that sort of uh Deontay Johnson purgatory where it's like tons of targets but the quarterback kind of holds him back and he's not Tyreek or Devontae or whoever so he can't really like break through that uh, that that one limitation but he should be I don't know what like top 20 or something uh fantasy receiver so in that yeah, range right. there's there's a certain uh th- th- just that value alone is all you need all right, let's play a little either or for Dynasty because I'm, you know, I'm fixing my rankings on the fly here. Okay, I'm going to ask you, would you, you know, I'm not going to say, but it's Michael Pittman for Dynasty or this player, and you just t- name the player or you say Michael Pittman. Okay, I'm going to do five of them. Knowing what you know now, you can't say, oh, if this happens and that happens. Just knowing we're drafting today, Mario. Okay, yeah. Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin. Uh, McLaurin. 
Devontae Smith. Devontae. Calvin Ridley or Pittman. If Ridley's playing, he's it's you can't Ridley. say that. You can't you have to know what you know now. I'll say Ridley. I hope he plays yep. again. Yeah, me too. All right, I'm gonna give you two more. Uh DJ Moore or Michael Pittman for Dynasty. Moore. Okay. Jerry Judy. Pittman. Last one. Elijah Moore or Elijah. Michael Pittman. Okay, good. All right. So I have Pittman a little too high. I thought I did, and I was a little self-conscious about his ranking. He had him at 15. I think he's better suited as wide receiver 20. Based I, on I could just be too low on him also, but yeah, I'm a super fan on Elijah Moore. He's like right next to Waddle for me, way up there. Yeah, he's produced under adverse conditions. Um, so I, I like that as well. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's pick this game real quick. Raiders are in uh, Indianapolis. Indianapolis getting six and a half. Who do you like there? I'll take the Colts, but Yep. All right. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think it, I wouldn't worry about the six and a half points. If you think it's a new gonna... line too, it lowered from eight and a half. The one thing giving me pause is apparently it's like the, the betting volume appears to be on the Colts and yet their line well, is getting smaller. So what's the quarterback uncertainty? No one's sure of as much as we don't love Carson Wentz. He does make a difference. He is a major upgrade from what would be Sam Ellinger would be the quarterback. So that would be, that's true. Yeah. So that's where the uncertainty is, but the, the, the line is still open. All okay. right. Uh, Jets at home, uh, they're 13 point dogs to Tampa Bay. I don't think anybody's picking the Jets in this game. Uh, the line is interesting, but let's go with uh, he, this is where I'm getting the most questions this week for week 17. Should I start Tom Brady or Trey Lance? I have had that question at least conservatively 10 times in the last few days. All right, let, let's let's break that question down. Can you trust Tom Brady under the circumstances to deliver you anything more than a floor? performance in a championship game uh, maybe not but i don't know if you can count on the floor with lance so i would go with brady and the thing with brady too is like he could easily score four touchdowns on like 25 attempts not that i'm predicting that but he, he can get those touchdowns and still take the second half off yeah. So, but without Godwin, I mean, Antonio Brown's, I mean, uh, Antonio Brown, he was ba 15 targets last week. It's almost like he came to the game like, no, 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 we're, we're getting Antonio's head right back in the game here. Uh, Gronk's been a little down lately. No Fournette. Uh, I mean, if what's a reasonable projection, I mean, th if, if this game gets blown open, if it's like, if they, it's run heavy and it gets blown open, you could see them taking Tom Brady out and like in the middle of the third quarter. That's true. I don't know if Tom ever wants to do that. He seems to always want to like run it up, even in inconsequential late season games. And uh, you still think he hates the Jets? I don't think he hates the Jets anymore. I don't I even think, think it's personal. I think he's just kind of a psycho, and he just he wants to just run up the score on everybody. But I yeah. think you know, you mentioned you know Godwin Evans being out, whatever. I don't know if Evans is back, but uh, yeah. if though if it makes the game closer, that's just a reason to think that he stays in longer. So right. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too optimistic about it. But it, whatever way I try to think it through, I, I feel like it comes down to it, I just keep coming back to like yeah, go with Brady. These guys are aware of the MVP voting. They look at the Vegas odds. I guarantee you they do. And Brady has fallen to, I think he's either the second or third. He's no longer the favorite after that, that dud he had against Rogers, uh, New Orleans. Yeah. Rogers is the favorite. So I, I, if there's an opportunity for Brady to do what Burrow did last week, 505, this is the week to do it. So you might be right there. I agree. I would not have the stones to, to bench Brady for Lance, uh, you know, seeing that upside because 
if his upside is probably like what, like a 10, uh, Lance's upside is probably like a 10% chance of happening. And his floor is probably more like a 35, 40%. And then obviously everything in between is probably his median projection of about 17 to 20 fantasy points. So I'm with you. All right. On the other side, Jets, who can you start in your championship? Is there anyone that you would even consider? If Elijah Moore may come back and play, they said he's 50, 50 to play. Yeah, man, that's tough because I, I love Elijah Moore. And if if it were Joe Flacco or Josh Johnson or Mike White at quarterback, I'd be like, oh, yeah, let's do it. But um, and not that I think Wilson is a bum or anything. I mean, I, I'm not a fan, but I, I don't think he can be blamed for for, you know, struggling in these circumstances. So if he does, Moore can only do so much. Uh, Michael Carter, it's kind of a similar thing. Like good player. Like, if someone wants to play him, I don't. Uh, I'm not going to say they're, they're wrong to do it and, and they shouldn't sweat it too much if, if they have to go with him. Uh, but yeah, it's, if, if we could pick from the entire pool, I still would rather start with an offense that I, that I think has uh, more than a prayer, which I'm not convinced the Jets even have. Yeah, no, uh, I agree with that. And even for next year, where do you think Michael Carter should be ranked amongst running backs? Let's call it for redraft right now. We're, I know we're switching back and forth. And uh, let's, I mean, uh, you know, Jets will have their offensive line reinforced. Becton presumably come back. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker has been one of the, I think, the, and ends up being the best values in the first round. Oh, nice. I hadn't been able to follow him, but I really liked him as a prospect. And those two are definite like pillars. Yeah. So Michael Carr, let's say that the Jets don't add anything other than just kind of, you know, the same type of running backs they have. They they try to bolster the passing game of the defense. Where would you take Michael Carter in PPR league? So running back what? Uh, pretty high. I guess I'm in my mind. I'm kind of like preparing for a, at, at worst or at lowest, like fourth round kind of ADP and maybe even higher. Like, I don't I don't know what the demand will be, but he had a couple games there where in PPR anyway, a couple games that were really legitimately big point totals. And I feel like a few of them were like 40 snap showings. If he's getting 40 snaps in a game, he could return as high as a second round value. So uh, I I'm prepared to pay a pretty decent price for him, I guess. Yeah. If you go, to, cause next year, I can assure you that the sharp dynasty players, and certainly it'll come out to the, it'll flutter out to the, uh, to the general community. It's going to be a wide receiver, crazy year. Be prepared to, to pay up for wide receivers next year. Uh, I mean, first round wide receivers are going to include Justin Jefferson, maybe CD lamb, maybe, uh, Certainly, uh, Devontae Adams if and Tyreek Hill, if if they stay in their same situations, you're going to see at least four or five wide receivers in the first round. Maybe a tight end, I doubt it, but that is going to then push the other wide receivers up a little bit, making some of the running backs fall back. So if you end up participating in that zero running back or wide receiver early start, I, I think you correctly identified Michael Carter as a really sharp pick in the fourth, fifth round. Yeah, I don't even think he'll now the more I think about it, I'm thinking it's going to be like the third, but all the wow. same, the point. <laughs> well, knowing what you know now, would you take J.K. Dobbins or Michael Carter in redraft leagues next year? Uh, man, especially if Greg Roman is still the offensive coordinator, I think I'd take Carter, but uh I think Dobbins is the better player. I love Dobbins all that said. Yeah. So we've done an hour already, Mario. If you don't mind, I mean, we, we barely cover this stuff. I can keep oh, going we can here. Keep going. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. I just want to make sure I don't want to, I don't want to take too much the, of your time. Uh, I know you have a wild three for game road wire podcast. That's right. But listen, we're giving Important. people some good actionable Intel here. Uh, and I, you know, I know you're planning this wild party uh, for New Year's Eve. You were telling me off yes, air. So I'm already late for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it starts the day before, right? Mm -hmm. All right, so I want to actually go backwards. I know we're supposed to be moving forward, but James Robinson for Dynasty. 
Can you even draft him at this point? And he had an Achilles tear. He's pro- would you say the chance of him playing in 2022 or what, like 20%? I'm talking about like, oh, no, I one- think he'll play for sure. The question is like whether, uh, you know, he's himself, I guess. And, and it wouldn't be until after the PUP list. Um, oh my God, he's, he's an Achilles tear. Isn't an Achilles tear like a full year recovery? I mean, look at Cam Akers. So it was basically like a, a, a 15 game absence. But then again, that doesn't account for the offseason. So his was you... in August, wasn't it? So yeah, so it's like, a 15 game absence. Plus first of all, couple... the Cam Akers thing is insane. They the idea that they're even considering playing him is like a... I don't think they're going to. I think that's right. Either talk. Sean McVay is like making stuff up, or I, I'm going to have to seriously question his sanity. But uh, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders had something like a what was it? Like I know it wasn't quite this late in the year, but he played it. I think in week one. I don't even know if he was on the pup list, and he was like 32 at the time. So. Uh, James Robinson, I, I mean, I think he's legitimately talented player. I can't tell if people still believe that he was sort of like lucky last year and that he was just kind of a some guy who was hanging around in a team with nothing better to do than give him the ball. I think he's a legitimately good player. I think he's clearly one of the best running backs in the league. Uh, not in the like elite tier. He's in that, you know, David Montgomery kind of that whatever you call that tier there. Still a totally good player. And um, if he's physically able to play, I don't think that's uh, I don't think the, the Jaguars will keep him on the bench or anything. But, yeah, we still have Travis Etienne there. Who knows what's going on with his foot? Uh, who knows what's going on with that team in general, I guess? Uh, obviously, his value took an enormous hit with that injury and, and it could somewhat uh, put his career on a, on a downward, permanently downward trajectory. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to play. I, I'm not quite worried about that. I'm more worried about, like, what does he have left when he does. In redraft leagues, you just can't draft him because it's most leagues that have five-person bench, I mean, you just don't draft him. I mean, that's a that's an obvious thing. That You don't need us to tell you don't draft an Achilles-torn player. So, But I think in Dynasty, it's a more interesting question. Right now, I just put him in a place where you're not going to draft him RB50, but... If the reports are good, I could see him was putting him back up to like RB forty, RB thirty six. If you know, if there's encouraging news over the summer, I'm not drafting him just because there's so many players and he doesn't have that protected pedigree. Even though he has two years of bank production, which is probably I mean more he's bad. basically like a team captain there. So I, yeah. I don't know. Like again, the, the Emmanuel Sanders case, he tore his Achilles at like age thirty two in something like week ten. Played the whole year. Uh, if Acres is like an eight month recovery. Maybe maybe Robinson gets in at like the end of training camp or something. And I, th- I think it's the PUP list. And I think week seven, eight, whatever that would be, uh, we see him come out and uh, maybe he's not the James Robinson we knew. But if he is, I think he would start playing at that point in time. I like the team captain narrative that almost assures he'll be there. But remember, we're going to have a whole new uh, staff coming in. So, uh, you know, James Robinson, man, he just has not caught a break. It's like, I guess that's the life he of an under. didn't even get a shot in the NFL. Like I, I heard from somebody that uh, it might have been only the Jaguars. And it was like only after some person uh, like lobbied at the last second to do it. Like he barely got into Illinois State, barely got a look at the NFL. And it's like, clearly the guy can play. I don't understand why he. He, he, he never got a shot earlier. I had him ranked as like a third round prospect going into the draft. And when he went on draft, I was like, oh, come on. What the hell is yeah. this? You um, know, what's funny is that my favorite stat, and I'm probably going to muck this up a little bit, but James Robinson had more rushing yards yeah. than the team had passing yards. Yeah. And he had like, 
I'm the, talking about Illinois State. Illinois yeah, State. and the second yeah. leading rusher had 400 yards. You know, he, he was. Yeah. He was, I've never seen anything like that. I've never heard of something like that. All right. So, all right. So maybe I'm too low. I'll push him back up to like RB 40 this way. You know, you'll still be ahead of market because no one's going to want to draft him. And if you have an IR spot, uh, spot, that's great. All right. Move, moving on a little bit here. Rams at Baltimore. Uh, Rams are going into Baltimore. They're three and a half point favorites. Uh, let's start with the Baltimore side of this. Who's going to be the quarterback? Is Lamar back this week? Well, they, said he was, they said he was limping in practice, so that doesn't sound good. And I don't trust uh, anything with that offense anyway, so I'm not optimistic for him. I mean, if you could play team quarterback, it, it doesn't matter if it's Josh Johnson, if it's Tyler Huntley. Whoever's starting a quarterback, I'm comfortable starting in my championship game in Week 17. Is that analysis on uh, on point? Uh, well, the team quarterback part definitely makes it a little less uh, you know, risky, but... I, I think the Ravens get stomped here. I don't know. I, I think that uh, Greg Roman's going to get worked. I think that uh, the, the Baltimore defense can't play defense anymore, uh, maybe against the run, uh, which, by the way, um, Scott was asking about Herbert or Stafford. Oh, yeah, that was Stafford. I would go with Stafford because I, I think that they're going to just do whatever they want passing game wise. I mean, we saw Burrow is good. The Bengals have two great, rec- three really good receivers. But for the, the listen, time, for, the, for the listening audience, the question that Mario is fielding is Matt Stafford or Justin Herbert for all the nuts for the championship. And you're going with Stafford. Who The Chargers are playing Denver, right? Yeah. And okay. uh, I, I like Herbert. It's not like I'd sweat it if I had to go with Herbert, but it's just this is not a serious NFL defense that the Ravens have. Not that it's their fault that it's the injuries, but they don't have a real defense. This was the uh, defense that Joe Burrow lit up last week, right? Yeah. And again, I'm not trying to take away the credit from Burrow, but that is not happening. If, if Marlon Humphrey is out there or just Marcus Peters, if both of them were out there, we're talking less than half of the output that he had. Uh, Stafford hasn't looked great to me in, I don't know, two months, but I don't think uh, John Walford would struggle to to light up this Ravens defense if he needed to. I like that guy, John Walford, in the Superflex Dynasty leagues I'm with. I always I, I roster him. I mean, McVay you have likes to. Him, yeah. yeah, well, that's it. It's more of like in that system. Should Matt Stafford go down if you need him, and you know the backup. That's an underrated strategy in Dynasty Superflex. You said you haven't played the format too much, but not only do you need to roster every quarterback. You're rostering backup quarterbacks, as we saw this year with the COVID list. I mean, you're going to be playing Case Keenum. You know, theoretically, Kyle Allen. Uh, you know, is is you're going to play Josh Johnson for two different teams? <laughs> is that unbelievable? He's the yeah. Adrian Peterson of quarterbacks. He wants to play for every team. I think he's played for like a ten teams. Or he's got to like be that. at like a third of the league at worst. Yeah. Oh, that that would be. I think that's a great career. To, also, you get you have all these different jerseys with your name on it in your office. It's it's probably a, a nice collector's item. All right, so. Here's my question for you. Who do you think is the better asset moving forward? And then we could talk about it in terms of week 17, the Marquise Hollywood Brown for fantasy or Rashad Bateman. Who would you think should be ranked higher in our dynasty rankings? In PPR, I guess yes. I'd go with Bateman, but if we're talking uh, half point or no, standard, no, PPR, we don't, yeah. we don't do this. Well, touch, the, the, the touchdown Hollywood Brown is a real ah. thing. And, and Bateman he he kind of profiles better for those underneath targets. I think I know, I know Brown gets plenty of underneath targets, but uh, he needs the space to get those and the space to run afterward to make it work. Bateman, I think can more navigate in traffic as just kind of like a bread and butter kind of thing. I don't think he's better player than Brown. I don't think he can compete with Brown downfield certainly, but uh, each of those guys and Mark Andrews in, in a functional coherent Ravens offense would play their own 
respective role to their respective strengths. And I do think Bateman can be like the 90 catch guy while Brown is like the 70 catch guy who still has more touchdowns every year. I don't think you even know it, Mario, but you just gave a hot take without knowing you're giving a hot take. I don't, know. I don't think the dynasty can, um, community their first oh, they hate ranking. hollywood they hate hollywood and they're way too high on bateman i love bateman but he's no i i yeah. think you hit it right i think that at the dynasty rankings are going to have hollywood significantly higher i think like you're going to see hollywood at like wide receiver 15 and bateman around wide receiver 24 oh really i mo- thought it was the most- other way around no i think you're going to say that's every time I, bring, I feel like other than you every time i'm talking about and, and john of course every time i'm talking about Marquise Brown, I feel like people are like, oh, but he sucks, right? You got to prefer Bateman, right? I'm like, no, they're both good, but ba- Dude, Bateman is not a star. Hollywood is not a star either. They're, they're you know, they're, they're really good players who have slight flaws in each cases. Yeah, and Hollywood has that knockout punch in any given week. He, it's almost like a rich man's Deshaun Jackson this season, right? You, I mean, you, you, I, I'm a big Deshaun fan, so I, I think it's more like one-to-one because I, I also think Deshaun is just – awesome he's one of my favorite players ever but yeah i love hollywood's one of my favorite nfl players if only because i feel the need to, to defend him so much because people are like oh he drops everything he's a, he's tiny he sucks it's like no he's really good he's just yeah not perfect. I, I like hollywood brown too as well uh ram side of the ball sony michelle at most in your week 17 championship if he's on your roster you just put him in there like he's a top yeah. 10 running back this week right yeah, I don't understand how McVeigh thinks, but if he's if he's going to bench the guy, per, totally bench the guy who he previously had taking every snaps at running back, then uh, over the the current starter with no actual reason for the change. Uh, I mean, he s- seems like he's going to stick with Michelle until he comes up with an anecdotal reason to get mad at him or whatever. Yeah, no, Sony Michelle still looks like a good running back for me. I don't think that was ever. I, you can understand, not that we ever endorsed taking running backs in the first round, but you can see what what Bill Belichick saw when the guy is healthy. He looks like a, a guy that could just run people over. That he's got some moves. That he's a good player. It's he, he's um. Like I said, he's not going to w- be the reason you win with his dynamic shifting, but he's a trustworthy guy that can just really wear out a defense. Well, the the I, narrative I, was the opposite almost on him. The, like he was right. being sold as Alvin Kamara specifically. And I was <laughs> like, true. what the hell are you guys talking about? Because And also they took him over Nick Chubb, so I hated the pick at the time. But um, yeah, he's – and he has to be fair, he's had some bad knee injury luck. But um, yeah, Michelle is just a guy. He's, he's just yeah. a guy. But when you're in one of the best offenses in the league – and especially if you're catching the Ravens with their, you know, sixth string corners, uh, just a guy will be more than good enough. You know, what's funny. A couple of years ago, Michelle was on a, a good run and I had traded for him in a dynasty league for, and I traded away Terry McLaurin, his rookie season after like he had one or two good games and the league has not stopped laughing at me. Finally, this last three week window, I said, hi, I told you so. Yeah, and at the time, how could you have known which way? Uh, what I'm saying is, I've yeah. been right for three weeks now. That was that was the joke. <laughs> that even though it's been horrible for three years, I would have laughed at you. I would have. I know like, you wouldn't, guys. Have. Lay I, off, uh, <laughs> because that's the that's the game. So when you're doing dynasty rankings, you're right, and then you're wrong, and then you're right again. So mm-hmm. don't worry about it. There's no bad picks as long as you follow Mario's one QB dynasty rankings, or you could check out my superflex uh, yeah, rankings, which are posted. So. Yes, which are posted now. <laughs> On rotowire.com forward slash try. We recommend that you start getting in some of these dynasty startups. You can hit us up on Twitter, find out how to do it. If you're watching, um, uh, Mario's Twitter is at, was it at Roto Mario? What is it nowadays? Ro- Rotowire Mario, yeah. Rotowire Mario. Mine's at Alan Sislowski. Okay, let's let's move on a little bit. Oh, uh, Odell Beckham, you're playing him over Van Jefferson at this point in week 17? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm 
I'm fine with whichever way a person goes. It's hard to separate them. I just think Odell's the better player. Right. And I think that Matt Stafford trusts him a little more right now. I think he loves Van Jefferson, but I just, I, I see where he, he's just recklessly throwing the ball to Odell, whereas Van Jefferson, it's a little bit more of the short stuff. And I don't know. I just, I yeah, see I think that Van Jefferson is just kind of a guy, whereas Beckham to me is still a top 10 receiver in the NFL. Yes. So I, that's how I break the tie, I guess. And I think that now Matt Stafford's becoming more comfortable with Odell. It, it seems that way, just anecdotally looking at it. All right, let's move on. Let's go to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles game. They're coming into Washington. Oh, by the way, pick that game. You said you were going to take L.A. Rams in that game, right? Three and a half? Yeah, I would yeah. take the Rams and come yep. in by like 14. Yeah, I, I like that bet too. I'm gonna I'm gonna play that one. All right, Eagles going into Washington. Washington looked horrible last week. The Eagles are three and a half point favorites. Who's the Eagles running back that you're gonna have the most trust in right now? I know things are changing rapidly, but are you playing Boston Scott with with much uh, conviction this week? Well, if if Boston Scott gets a lot of usage, I guess that w- would make me think it was a close game, and the Eagles were trying to throw, or maybe even that the Eagles were losing. And they're trying to throw. If the Eagles are smart, they don't throw that much, or at least they don't throw to the running back to start out. They need to establish the run threat and create from that template favorable looks from Hertz to throw selectively. And that that's how they make that offense good. If they have to just expose Hertz right away, things can go kind of wrong. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Scott's a decent player. If they got to use him, I, th- I don't think he'll uh, embarrass himself or anything. But if this game goes the way that the Eagles need it, want it to go, I think Howard needs to get 15 carries. Yeah, and I I think Scott, I mean, Howard would have the stinger last week. I haven't seen an updated report from him. Okay. So I, but Man, I, he's got I, a lot of those. I feel like he's yeah. got like five stingers. I mean, that you know, those big running backs that kind of bull their neck and yeah, then him smash especially. the line. I mean, that's, he needs to put on that all-stat suit if he's going to be doing this. You know, the big uh, neck. Uh, you, you remember the neck thing? roll neck roll yeah 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 Do you <laughs> remember, what happened <laughs> then you, you know the neck roll is a thing from 1970s 1980s football and the barefooted kicker those are the two things oh, that man. i miss from 1980s football yeah we they need the neck rolls back apparently because uh i mean all stop never got stingers or i don't remember that anyway right uh, that, anyway if 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 howard can't really play then you know scott's got to do it he's just, it's just all on him i guess what do you think the Eagles will do for next year? Are they going to be in the quarterback search? Or are they just finally going to say Jalen Hurts is our guy? Because those two picks that they have in the first round, like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, were like pick seven and eight. Now they're like pick 20 and 24. They're not I've, getting a quarterback with those picks. Or maybe they will. This well, they have year, three but... first round picks total. So they could probably get pretty much anywhere they want to in the first round. It's just Wait, like. So they have, go over this. They have their own. They have Miami's. Uh, they have Dolphins and the Colts, right? The Colts. Okay, won. right. The, there you go. The Colts. Oh, uh, so yeah, it's like they could probably get wherever they want to. I just, in a way, it would be a blessing if the picks lowering uh, deterred them from trying to trade up because I just, I just hate this quarterback class. I don't know if I don't know if I believe a single good starter. If there is one, I think it's Desmond Ritter. But uh, I don't, where does he go to school? Where does Ritter Cincinnati? Go to school? I'm. Mm-hmm. It's just like even in his case, it's it's. It, I would prefer to take him more like. I don't know, 40th overall, not really. Right. But that means he will probably go in the, or if, if the NFL agrees that he's the 40th best player, then he will go in like the top 20 or something. But I'm not a fan of Howell. I'm not a fan of Willis. I uh, can't stand the Kenny Pickett hype. It's just ridiculous to me. I'm, I'm so sick of hearing about it already. Uh, but in any case, the Eagles will not do better than Jalen Hurts at quarterback in this draft. In my opinion, that that's true. So um, if those picks falling keeps them from trying to get a, 
specifically a draft pick quarterback, then I think that it'll benefit them in the long run. What I worry about still uh, from Hertz's perspective is that they might get Russell Wilson. I don't know what to think of the Deshaun Watson thing anymore. I don't know if I believe he's even going to play again, but Russell Wilson clearly wants out of Seattle. The Eagles do have the ammo to get him. Who knows what else could go on though? I mean, if one domino fall, like we saw with the Stafford thing this off season, once, once that went, like all these other markets opened up and everything for a second there, it looked like the whole league was going to swap quarterbacks for about five minutes. So we'll see. Um, but the Eagles, I think, could do better than Hurts, just not in this draft is where I see it. Yeah, you, you mentioned something I want to just underline here is that the Eagle, any of the, there's three teams that have multiple first round picks, the Jets, the Giants, and the Eagles. I don't think any of them are threats to draft a rookie quarterback, but they are, I think, likely. I would take the over on one of those three trades their draft capital and their quarterback for a, a perceived upgrade at quarterback, either the Jets, Giants, or Eagles. One of the three will likely do it. I think the Giants are the most likely. Uh, trade pick five and pick six and Daniel Jones, say, for Russell Wilson and and Tyler Lockett, something like that. Uh, I, I don't think, uh, you know, I could see a trade like that going down because two for Russell's value is a little bit depressed with his play down the stretch. So the Giants are not just going to surrender two first without getting something back that makes Russell Wilson comfortable. But that it's an interesting conversation that certainly will be um, something great to talk about on podcast. But getting back to uh, this game, Eagles game, Devontae Smith, are you trusting him in the championship? Uh, are you still, I know you were pretty high on, on uh, coming out and he's looked good to me. Uh, will you roll him out there right now? It's not really a trust uh, extent in, in fantasy because I don't trust the Eagles offense to conduct right. itself any particular way. I think Devontae Smith is awesome. Uh, I think if he gets targets, he will do damage with them. But at the very least, uh, they've also brought Dallas Goddard a bit more into the pass catching rotation, which they should have done all along. They should have made they should have thought of those two as their like co number one receiver, not that differently from how the Ravens do Andrews and Marquise Brown. Uh, but if they throw the ball, I like Smith. I just I would if I were the Eagles, I would not even want to throw the ball that much. So if, if someone's a bit worried about Smith and fantasy, I'm not going to tell them they're wrong for it. A couple of years ago, you liked Jalen Rager. I think you were um, your analysis was sound. Are you out on him moving forward? Are you giving up? Out on him in at- Philadelphia, definitely. I, okay. I mean, there's some stuff is wrong with him off the field. It seems like uh, I don't know what there was the thing about it, him just showing up like depressed because of his, I guess, friend got killed or mm-hmm. something this off season. I don't know what the story was exactly, but uh, th- this this stuff with him like dropping passes, like you knew he wasn't a uh, he wasn't like a hands guy. That wasn't why he was valued as a prospect. He was valued as a prospect because he's a big play threat. If you get him going downfield and it's like, if you think back to his rookie year, his training camp, the hype was relentless. Like the team is just saying like, Oh my God, he looks awesome. Carson Wentz said he looks like Julio Jones. And then he had a torn finger tendon and a torn rotator cuff in his shoulder, both of which had the prognoses reduced by like at least half. I remember the, when the shoulder thing came up, it was like, oh, this might be a season ender. And then they're like, oh, actually, he's coming back in two weeks and he's, he's just going to play with a torn labrum. I don't know if that labrum ever got repaired or if, if it needed surgery. If he didn't get that surgery, so he might still be playing with shoulder damage. He had the torn finger thing. Obviously, the, the Eagles just kind of sucked in general that year, so that so it never really got going. And then this training camp this year, the tone was totally different. They're like, oh, my God, he looks so sluggish. He's he doesn't look right. He's not doing anything right. So that's, I mean, not that it matters if he's, if he's damaged goods, he's damaged goods. But I, I think that's kind of what happened here because they were praising him. The media were saying like, Oh man, he's making all these plays last, last training camp, this training camp, it was, it was totally opposite. And in terms of the structure of the team, 
I don't think he fits usage wise. If if they need to be this run heavy to make Hertz viable, then Goddard and Smith clearly take up the the whatever lanes there are. And I I don't think he has any place really in like a timing based offense or anything. He's like you need to put Rager on the field to just have him running. You you want him running as much as possible. Just put that right. speed on display. Get him running downfield. Bomb. Throw bombs. Like I want to see him more like in a Rams kind of another there there's a punctuality emphasis with McVay, but I want him running these routes downfield, you know, off the play action. Like that's that's where he makes his living. He's not a Devontae Smith. He's he's the exact opposite of Devontae Smith. Like Smith may be light on tools, but he's just superhumanly skilled as a wide receiver. Like Rager was always raw. We always knew that, but we thought, you know, with this kind of athleticism you can harness uh, just you know, just as a size speed phenom, you can you can make a defense stressed with his presence, and I don't see how the Eagles can do that. He has this Tua thing going on, and what I mean by that is that he's always going to be Tua is always going to be compared to Justin uh, to, uh, to to Herbert, whereas Rager is always going to be compared to Justin Jefferson. One of them was a massive hit; the other one, we're still you know, jury's out a little bit. Uh, but you would think as a first round pick, they would find ways to get him the ball. Let's move over to the other side real quick. Antonio Gibson had some first round hype in redraft leagues this year. Uh, disappointed largely, probably because of the injury. He's been back. Are you, I mean, I, don't, I have to check his status this week. I, I heard some Jarrett Patterson talk this week, uh, but is is Antonio Gibson to the best of your ability? Is he in jeopardy of, uh, of this? It seems like he's going to play through it at this point. Um, I mean, I you've had- the new, the, the issue is it's a new hip thing in okay. addition to the prior toe slash toes. Slash right. foot. Let's think about him moving forward though. Just where do you think, uh, he should be ranked in run in dynasty. Now, again, we're, we're switching back and forth. Uh, we're going over our dynasty rankings in addition to doing some week 17 prep for you. Uh, I'm, you know, I just updated our dynasty Superflex rankings among the running backs. Where do you think I have him running back? What? <sighs> 15 i have been running back nine but i think oh. you're right there i'm in I have favor to... of that no i he, okay. he the one thing he needs to do is fix the fumbling that mm-hmm. actually is a problem other than that i think he projects just awesome i think i think antonio gibson granted he does need better circumstances to, to prove it the offensive line sucks uh and is beat up in addition to that so playing hurt uh in addition to all that I think that explains his numbers, but it's like this has been one of the worst case scenarios for him in terms of how this this season could have played out. And he's got nine touchdowns in 15 games and 538 snaps. He can do a lot more as a pass catcher. If Scott Turner is for some reason forced to stop trying to do this uh, pet thing with J.D. McKissick and give targets on a merit of ma- on the basis of merit, then Antonio Gibson can go like peak David Johnson in fantasy. Like he's he's got the tools to do it. Absolutely. Uh, Who would you I, rather have in your dynasty league? Would you rather have Saquon Barkley or would you rather have Antonio Gibson? Uh, I think I would say Barkley if I can sell him immediately because I think his market might be a little. I don't know if if his market. But is if higher. you're in a startup draft, then you're. I prefer Gibson it, as a player. I think he can do pretty much everything Barkley can, and I don't it, think Barkley sees the field very well. Yeah, I have uh, I have him quite. I have Barkley at RB thirteen in our new dynasty rankings. I have I told you Gibson at nine. I may tick him down to like ten or eleven, but not really because I you know. So I, I'm squarely on on the Gibson team right here. I think Barkley is uh, he's kind of a stay away for me unless he falls at like the RB fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, it's uh, tough I'm not in. Him. I'm not in anymore. I, I nothing to do with what he did at first. Call. It's just he, he's now entering his age twenty five season already. And you talked about in the 
the beginning of the pod, the short window. I mean, is he going to get a second contract, like a lucrative second contract that protects him, like how Zeke is protected? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if a team's going to do it. We'll see. Um, let, let's move. Let's keep moving. Terry McLaurin. I, man, was I wrong about him? I was being so proactive getting him on all of my fantasy teams this year. Uh, he is now squarely in the Allen Robinson can't get a quarterback uh, to from to in my career yet. I mean, what is? Are you still optimistic about Terry McLaurin? I mean, we still love the player, but you can you can't start him in Week 17. And then where are you from a, a moving forward perspective? Well, the, it got out of hand recently because... And by the Washington- way, talk through this. I just need to reset something. You know, I'll be back in one minute. Keep going oh, through it. Well, yeah, I think things only got so bad with McLaurin lately because things got so bad with the Washington offense lately. And specifically, trying to play with a fifth-string center is the kind of thing... Like, if you end up in that situation as an offense in the NFL, you just have no hope. And then you you won't have hope until the situation changes. So I view recent weeks as just, like, non-applicable... Um, as far as projecting McLaurin going forward, because I can't project Washington being down to their uh, like cumulatively fourth string offensive line. Like anytime that happens, the the players in question have no hope. So uh, it's a real pain. The pain is real for the fantasy investors of McLaurin. It's not like they get a mulligan on those grounds. And so I I definitely, I, I don't mean to minimize their pain, but McLaurin has been the exact player that his proponents said that he would be. He's actually got on a per snap per uh, game basis or not per game, the per snap basis. He's basically got the same numbers as last year within, you know, reasonable uh, margin. So the question of whether he can be more than what he's been on a per snap basis, the last two years comes down to the quarterback question. And yeah, admittedly, I don't know how it changes there. I don't know how they do better than Heineke. Um, I don't, uh, not that I'm assuming the Eagles won't trade up for a quarterback. They might, but I, f- I am more worried about Washington going for a rookie quarterback who is bad and setting back McLaurin like another period of time. I'm not convinced any of these quarterbacks are as good as ter- uh, Taylor Heineke to put into perspective how lowly I think of this class. So um, McLaurin at the, very le- at the very least needs better offensive line play. And I think if the Washington offensive line got better, and especially if they could add another threat, if Curtis Samuel could turn into the threat that he was supposed to be, then I actually can imagine personally Taylor Heineke playing okay. Not not certainly not good, but like good enough for McLaurin to be the you know, 13, 1400 yard receiver that he clearly could be. Because I actually don't even think there's a clearly better receiver in the NFL than Terry McLaurin. So for me, it just comes down to the surrounding details, which admittedly are kind of bleak right now. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky is going to be a free agent that believe it or, well, I'm saying, believe it or not, that some teams are going to be interested in. For sure. Uh, Ron Rivera does have that history with Taylor Heineke, and I know he's at times been a spark for that team. I'm not saying that that's where Mitch Trubisky ends up, but I, I think that Trubisky could end up there, he, you know, if, at least as a as a backup with a chance to for a camp battle. That might be his best option. So, uh, and I think for fantasy, there's your uh, dynasty uh, quarterback lottery ticket that you, you know, get. Oh get yeah. You now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've picked him up in all the leagues that still allow me to pick up uh, players. And if he was on the waiver wire, anyone that has a chance to, to start next year, Marcus Mariota, you want to pick him up right now. And uh, those guys in your super flex two QB leagues. All right. I'm picking the Eagles in that game, giving three and a half. Uh, I'm assuming you're doing the same thing there against yeah. Washington. Okay, moving on. Giants are going into Chicago. Chicago is a six-point favorite. Uh, 
you know, this is, you know, we always say like, oh, this game is garbage, the Giants, but like all of these guys are playing for their jobs next year. There's one thing that the NFL does right, that the players don't tank. You can't tank. You can't go into an NFL game playing 75% to try to improve your draft position because what does improving your draft position do? It makes you, the player, more likely to not have a job next year. So the players themselves are not tanking. They're always trying. Um this if they take it's because they're quitting on the coach, which, you know, if, if the Giants haven't done it yet, I guess they'll never do it. Yeah. So let's start with the, the Giants side of this. Um, where are you going to be on Kadarius Tony? I mean, you're not really going to play any players. Like, in fact, if you're in a redraft league and you have Saquon Barkley, I would consider dropping Barkley in hopes that your opponent picks him up and plays him. You know, like that's how much I don't want to play Barkley right now with the Giants offense. Given if I have better options, obviously. Yeah, rather- I mean, uh, I I am so incapable of thinking through Barkley at this point. I just I get no rea- Any Anybody says anything about him, I'm like, yeah, sure, that makes sense. Uh, but I think it is. It could be a tough matchup for him because he he is not a self creator. Like he needs space created for him, and when it's there, he can eat it up. You know, he, he's obviously an amazing athlete, so he can. He's a terror once that space exists. But if Akeem Hicks is going against this weak offensive line, if Roquan Smith is on the field. Then and, and by the way, they, they are. I'm just speaking yeah. hypothetically for some reason. Those two guys alone are enough to make me worried about Barkley in this matchup. So I I, I at once think if, if somebody misses their gap assignment, if somebody misses a tackle, Barkley can outrun them in a straight line. I just don't have any reason to think that straight line will be there for him. So, uh, yeah, the Giants could be about as ugly as whatever our worst fears are. With that said, Tony does have a good matchup here. I don't think... Even if the Bears moved Jalen Johnson into the slot, I don't know if it would really suit him to be against a guy like Tony. Against a guy like Tony, you want someone who's also an elite athlete, a quick twitch elite athlete, like Jair Alexander would probably maybe be the first name I think of. Jalen Johnson is a fine enough athlete, but he's more of like a technician guy, an instincts guy. Instincts and technique don't do anything to save you against Kadarius Tony's quickness. So I think it's a good setup for him, but... Uh, with that said, if the Bears just kind of give the slot corner a lot of help, that could be enough to to make it tough on Tony, given the quarterback play. Yeah, so if you're in the chat right now, let us know if you trust Saquon Barkley in Week 17, if you have him on any of your teams, and probably if you have him, you're not in the playoffs or certainly not the finals. He was probably your first or second round pick. Um, moving over to the – actually, and if, if Chicago defense, by the way, is on your waiver wire and you're in a championship game – even if you don't need them, pick them up. You don't want your opponent using them against you. The block pickup is always an underrated move. And you hear a lot of analysts talk about it, but we'll just underline that for our audience right here. Okay, so Chicago, you were you were in on Justin Fields. As a Jet fan, I wanted the Jets to draft Justin Fields. I definitely didn't want Zach Wilson at that point. I, I like enough what I've seen out of him to be confident that he'll be good for fantasy. Uh, you know, presumably they're going to get a new coach. Where are you going to be at on Justin Fields moving forward for next year? I like Fields. I think he's, he's had a weird collection of narratives swirling around him, weird uh, takes in the media about him. I, I feel like a lot of them are kind of uh, – the both the pro and the anti-Justin Fields cases have struck me as kind of incoherent at, d- at different points. I think he's, it's not that confusing to tell what he is. He's – Really athletic, obviously. He's big as a quarterback, so some of that rushing uh, ability you can you can project volume with it. Uh, crucial for fantasy. And in terms of his passing ability, at worst he's a guy who can make every throw and make it very accurately. The question is, does he read the field? Does he process the field? Does he 
make his decisions with the, the level of you know quickness and conviction that he needs to to show off this arm, this otherwise accurate, powerful arm that he has. And I think that that part is the one we can't really know. Some people could guess correctly either way and, and you know end up being right about it, but I don't see how we can know uh, you know, from, from what we've seen, what, what, what's been disclosed to us, I don't see how we can figure it out. I think it's also possible that, you know, it, he stays the same and still is good in fantasy, maybe good in real life. Like if, if he was just on a much better offense with much better players around him, we might've looked at this rookie season and thought he was a star the whole time, you know, if, if, if the conditions were more favorable. So uh, there's a way he can make it work, even if he doesn't improve, or I think it's possible, but I also think it's possible he improves. Like, I think it's, at Ohio State, he had like 43 touchdowns and three interceptions that one year. Like, why would he be any different than he was? Like, why would he try to develop some additional part of his game? He he had, he had couldn't have conceived of it. He was already perfect, basically. And specifically what he did in college that he can't do in the NFL is he would kind of hold on to the ball, uh, wait for guys to get really wide open before throwing the pass. Or if a guy wasn't wide open, he'd say, you know what? I don't even want to bother. I'll just run. And it worked every time. In the NFL, he's having to make the throw in that case, or at least throw the ball away in that case, or decide to run sooner on the play something. And I think with the conditions changing, we're, we're finding out whether out of necessity he can change himself. So I, I don't know how to know which way that ball is going to break. I'm kind of optimistic because I, I think he shows a lot of poise. Like he's definitely a hard worker. He's not like scared of the, the, the platform, you know, it's like, he's, he's, he's built for this kind of pressure, uh, high pressure as it might be. So I'm pretty optimistic. It, it would be, reassuring yet more more reassuring yet to me if they got like brian dable or whoever yeah, you know, I like Lefkowitz, something like that but i'm i'm more of an optimist I, I think he's kind of in the same boat as marcus mariota which is to say i can imagine a different timeline where things broke more in his favor and he's like a star quarterback but yeah if he if everything goes wrong for him and if he if he kind of struggles to improve with his recognition of the field then maybe he kind of stagnates after a year or two Okay, right now we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're back. If you're watching on the live stream, you didn't have to hear a word from our sponsor. But if you're listening on the audio podcast, you just heard those amazing spots from our sponsor. So let's pick it up right here. All right, we were talking about, uh, I'm with uh, Mario Puig of Rotowire. You know him, you love him. He's the, the rookie guru. He'll be coming back in the offseason, giving us a lot of rookie analysis all season long. I'm sitting in for John McKechnie, who again will join Mario. And you guys do your offseason podcast on Thursdays? 
Uh, I can't remember, but if we do it on a different day, we'll definitely let you know. In the meantime, we're we're planning on sticking with Thursdays, I guess. Okay. All Tuesday, right. I suppose. Because as you know, uh, the loyal audience knows that we're adding a second Dynasty offseason podcast. I'll be hosting that one. We'll have Mario and John on there doing some rookie breakdowns, but more Dynasty content, the better, right? I mean, is there, there's never enough. I think it's an underserved portion of uh, fantasy football. Most people, they love fantasy football, and they love it all year round. And right now, you can get a Rotowire uh, subscription for free for 10 days. Try everything out. No credit card. Just go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Check out Mario's one quarterback dynasty rankings. Uh, we just posted some super flex rankings. Go in there and check them out. Tell them where we're right. And d- make sure you, you, you uh, tweet Mario and tell him exactly what he did wrong. He loves that. All right, so let's go over to let's uh, pick that game real quick. I wouldn't bet a nickel on it, but I'll take Chicago at home giving six. I have no faith in the Giants to get anything but stomped. Yeah, same same thing. All right, Bengals. This is going to be. I think this is the game of the week. The Bengals at home. Chiefs are coming in. Chiefs are are getting five, uh, giving five points. Um, this is the real test because we've seen Cincinnati get stomped by the Jets and then beat up on good teams. So this is a good yardstick game for Cincinnati. Uh, Joe Burrow, I I have moved him up. It might be a little reactionary, but I've moved him up to QB four in our dynasty rankings, only because I think his game has a little bit of more longevity to it than Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson. So start with Burrow. Where where do you see him moving forward? We know that he's is he a start this week against that Kansas City defense? I've asked you a lot. Break him down. Well, I I think it's. A bit of a dangerous setup for Burrow against the Kansas City Chiefs defense, but it's pretty much because of one guy. That's Chris Jones. And it's kind of like we were ta- talking before about the Titans against uh, whatever that bum offensive line they're playing against uh, Miami. Uh, yep. When you have a guy like Jeffrey Simmons or a guy like Chris Jones, you know, the modern Richard Seymour's of the NFL, like those guys can really wreck a certain kind of offensive line. If, if an offensive line doesn't have a strong interior foundation a guy like chris jones or richard seymour they might not be the sack leaders every year they might not be particularly close to the sack leading contention but in that particular circumstance they are about as dangerous as any player can be because if you don't have if you don't have that good solid interior chris jones can just wipe out two or three blockers and he's then he's you know two strides away from your quarterback at that point the bengals their offensive line isn't as bad as last year, but I do think it's sooner still that category of offensive line than one like the Colts, where if, it, if the Colts are going against the Chiefs, I'm like, oh, Chris Jones isn't in trouble, but the Chiefs are, you know, like they 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 need him to be this total monster to to win here. And against the Bengals, I think Chris Jones could be that kind of monster. So if they do find some way to neutralize him, though, then even if even if uh, Traverius Ward Fenton, whoever are doing a good job, and they've done a pretty good job lately receivers like Higgins and uh, Chase can only be covered for so long and so many times. And if you give them enough chances, they're going to beat better corners than these. So if Burrow has the time for those guys to set up their routes and really, really get running downfield, that's where the upside scenario comes in. And in that case, the upside could be enormous, but uh, it's such a volatile situation, I think, because if, if Jones is kind of, you know, tossing linemen around getting to Burrow, hitting him, We've seen the the Bengals also kind of take their offense into a shell and and just run the ball and try to protect Burrow, which is understandable enough. So I have no idea how to guess whether the Bengals can contain Chris Jones and uh, if they can do it, do they leave themselves vulnerable in some other way? I don't really know. But if Burrow has the time 
I think we're just at the point where it's like these two receivers and Boyd, I don't mean to make Boyd sound like he's some kind of bum or something, but just Higgins and Chase in a year, especially two years, might both be regarded as top five receivers in the NFL. Yeah, I, I'd see that as they're going to be ranked similarly to what we had Larry Fitzgerald and Aquan Bolden in their peaks, like where they're going like 10 picks apart. And I can't I, I'm not going to tell anybody that likes T Higgins more than Jamar Chase that they're wrong. I'm not prepared to do that right now for fantasy. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, Chase, uh, full disclosure, is like my wide receiver two or three in the dynasty rankings. I have Higgins at 13, but I'm not sure that's correct. That just bakes in what I think the market is going to do. Yeah, I don't even want to make the call. You know, I I, I think they're both awesome. I, I love T Higgins. I'm, I think it's safe to say I'm higher on T Higgins than most people. Um, but yeah, it's they both great, just pretty much perfect for me. Yeah, T's gotten a lot of fans over the last month uh, with these monster games. Uh, so Had a lot that- of haters in the first couple of months, and it was weird. I was like, come on, just he could change. He could flip this entire narrative in like two weeks. So uh, my ranking of Joe Burrow at QB4 behind Mahomes, Herbert, and Allen, ahead of Kyler Murray, Dak, Lamar, and Trevor Lawrence, are you uh, comfortable with that, or do you think that's a little reckless? Um, I think it would need to be six point per passing touchdown league before I would put him ahead of uh, a couple of those guys, like Lamar especially. Split the difference for me. So let's say it's five point. Uh, I would put Lamar ahead, but it's Burrow maybe – uh, especially if if you are are vet putting value on the uh, you know the 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 lesser injury risk to to less running reasoning, it's hard to argue about Burrow's longevity in that case. Although for whatever it's worth, he is uh, like a little older than Lamar, I think, or they're the same age. Here, I can tell you right now because I put the I had a uh, Herb our tech guy put the ages in uh, to the to the tenth. By the way, I had to do <laughs> yeah because uh, but right now, yeah, th- you're right. He's he's a few months older than him, but not you know when you're talking about the quarterback Just, position. Yeah, I only mention it because it's like so, when we get some of these 21 year old rookies and stuff, someone might think Burrow is 22 or something, but he's actually mm. 25. Yeah, he's got that Cooper Cup thing going on. Yeah, like, came yeah. came into the league with like a full beard, as I like to say. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll move on from that game. Uh, we agree. Joe Mixon next. Oh, let me ask you this for redraft next year. I had this discussion with Jeff Erickson. I said, no, no, no. Joe Mixon's going to be a top five overall pick in redraft leagues next year in one QB. It's just going to happen. Um, I can imagine some of those receivers that you mentioned uh, that, that heavy wide receiver first round, I can imagine some of that encroaching the top five myself. Fine, Pick eight, pick eight. I'm not, I'm not against it. I mean, you don't even need to believe Mixon is that good specifically in an offense like this one. If you have two top 10 receivers and a quarterback who's in the top 10, whoever's at running back is going along for the ride and, and Mixon might also be pretty good. So. All right, Chad, help us out. Where do you are you going to draft Joe Mixon next year in redraft leagues? Are you going to take him uh, in the top ten picks of uh, your fantasy draft, or do you think he's still like a, a one-two turn type of player? So let us know in the chat where you would take him. All right, on this marathon episode of uh, the Week Seventeen preview show, Mario, are you still holding up? Are you good here? Oh yeah, I'm fine. All right. All right, so we got you know people need content right now. A lot of content goes quiet, but this is the week where everybody's off, or they're taking you know works offices are a little quieter. They need uh, football content to listen to, and what better than to listen to us, right? Yes. All right. Uh, so who do you, who do you like in that game? The Chiefs five on the road or getting or giving five on the road in Cincinnati. Who are you taking here? I you have to bet your your whole um your more, next mortgage payment on it. Yeah, I think I'd go with the Chiefs, but I, I feel, you know, I, it's not that I feel so safe doing it. It's just that I do 
have a lot of respect for Chris Jones and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't really remember the Bengals doing anything, especially exotic on defense. I feel like they kind of just play like ISO ball. And if you, if you do that against the chiefs offense, Tyreek will just devour you almost immediately. So if the Bengals call the kind of smart discipline too high defense all the time, I can still see that giving the chiefs trouble, but I can't tell if that's really how the, how the Bengals play. And uh, anyway, I got to kind of just divert, uh, I got to revert to uh, defer. I mean, to say uh, to, to Mahomes' respect, I guess this late in the year, right or wrong. I'm going to take the Bengals with the point at home, but I, I agree with your logic there. Um, you, you know, it's, I'm not even picking Cincinnati to win. And if you don't think a team's going to win, it's not wise to take them with the points, but uh, that's, the points that's my are point. a lot. I will say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could see this being a, just a complete war and decided by a field goal. All right, let's move on. Uh, Broncos are the Broncos still a lot? They're they're let's say they're going into uh, into the Chargers right now. That spreads up to six and a half. It opened at five and a half. Are the Broncos still technically alive for a playoff spot here? Uh, I haven't looked, but probably yeah. it's all everybody's playoff eligible. Apparently, yeah. I mean, is, <laughs> do you think Vic Fangio? Right? Do you think Vic Fangio is going to be back as the head coach next year? Not particularly. No, not after that Von Miller trade. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think he's going to be either. So that's going to, the, the Denver's often talked about the, the Rogers landing spot or the, you know, the, that because they have the, you know, the requisite weapons. And listen, I think that's why they signed all those contracts with Cortland Sutton, with Tim Patrick, they have Jerry Judy that all those contracts are not for Denver. this year. Those contracts are to attract a, a veteran quarterback. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I, I like Patrick. I, I, obviously their pass catching group is, is deep as any in the NFL. So it's, it's very frustrating that they went into this year with the quarterback personnel that they did. It's like, they, they should have like two top 10 tight ends, three top 30 receivers, you know, and so on. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I don't think Fangio is particularly impressive in his role. I, or, I, and what's the offensive coordinator's name? The one that used to be the giants, um, oh, Shermer, Shermer. Yeah. yeah now he's, I don't really like him either. I don't know what, I don't know who they're going to get better. Uh, and if they don't get Rogers, which I don't think Rogers is going anywhere actually, but if, if they don't get Rogers, like what the hell are they even going to do? Like take one of these rookies, I guess maybe one of those, I was just bashing Kenny Pickett and I guess all of them really, but it's not hard to be better than Bridgewater and Locke. So I don't know, I guess one of them could be a, a boost for those receivers there, but yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think they're going to get a quarterback I don't either. worth the, the talent of, you know, the, whoever they get is going to be a disservice to these pass catchers. Yeah. If we're talking about Rogers and again, you're, this is going to be like uh, uh first take, this is going to be the, like the most debated subject, but I, I think that Rogers, if he does leave green Bay and I, like you just said, it, it, now it's like 50-50 at best. But uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are a place where I think Rodgers could end up. I don't know how they get the deal done, but to me, Rodgers is going to want that veteran coach, um, you know, that CEO coach that he could respect. And also he's going to want a set of weapons, which he thinks – you're, you're okay. A set of weapons that he thinks is um, at least better, a top 10. And I think the Steelers qualify with Deontay Johnson, with Chase Claypool – uh, you and I both love Pat Fryermuth. I think he, he's going to be a top 10 tight end next year. So that could be a Roger spot. We'll get back to that in a moment. Moving over to the Charger side of the things, is Eckler going to be playing this week? And if so, he's just an auto start in your championship, right? If he's playing, yeah. I don't. I didn't read whether he was vaccinated or not. I guess it's he. He. You would like his chances a little better if he is. But uh, yeah. So. The, the Broncos pass defense is pretty good, right? It, it might be quite good. 
and the Chargers have struggled to to move the ball through the air at times in some games that where they probably shouldn't have given some of the receivers they have in Herbert. So if Williams is out, Williams is out, right? Like he's yeah, he's, he's, he's out. out. He's out. Okay. So yeah, that's a that's actually a dangerous spot for the Chargers. I feel like, uh, but yeah, if Eckler can play, they they have to feed him that much more for because of Williams's absence. Yeah, and uh, I like um, the rookie Josh Palmer. Uh, I've been moving him up and up and up uh, in my dynasty rankings. I'm not saying that he's going to be a difference maker for your team in the future, but I think that he could enter like trustable wide receiver three. Like I, I, I could see him finishing next year as like the wide receiver like 29. Uh, is he a player that you? Uh, where were you in the pre-draft process? And from what you've seen so far in the NFL, is he someone that you like? I think he's redundant to Keenan Allen, so I think they'd need to get rid of Allen. Or I that's think not happening. <laughs> if they if they play Palmer outside, his efficiency is going to fall off a cliff. I think because I don't think defenses really pay attention to him right now, and I don't think he has the speed to function downfield. Uh, he's he makes plays at the catch point pretty well, and I, he's got to be like a good practice guy, a good uh, you know attention to detail and in, in, in meetings and practices or whatever. But he just he he isn't a player who threatens outside against competent outside coverage uh, to me anyway. So um, I think one way that I would feel better about Palmer is if actually the chargers moved on from Mike Williams and put just like a speed guy in that spot, because this, this offense has had this problem all year, basically like they don't have any speed. So you can just play red zone defense against them all the time. And uh, I I think that if it, until that changes, Herbert can have these just unnecessary cold stretches. Yeah, and you know, it's almost sacrilegious that I miss talking about the the Denver running backs, especially when we talk about getting into our dynasty rankings. I, a lot of uh, Javante Williams' dynasty ranking will heavily depend on if Melvin Gordon stays or goes. And I think people just looking at early rankings across the, the, the content provider industry is that people are assuming Melvin Gordon's gone. I'm not making that assumption. I think that Melvin Gordon has a little bit of this Frank Gore stick around veteran thing to him. He's going to be 29 next year. Where are you on Javante? I know you were pretty, you you were pretty strong on him coming out of college, right? I, I forget exactly. Well, I, I thought he was good, but I hated the redraft narrative around him. Like I, right. I didn't believe it made much sense to think he would just toss aside Melvin Gordon this year, uh, if only because like the Broncos couldn't really put Gordon anywhere. Like he, they kind of had to pay him this year. And if anything, I thought they were going to say, you know, well, what the hell are we paying him 9 million for or whatever, if we're not going to put him on the field every so often for 30 snaps or whatever. So uh, with that said, I do expect the Broncos to get rid of Gordon this off season. Like I, there's no cap penalty at this point or if I remember. Well, yeah, no, he's uh, he was a two year. They oh, signed him for two years. Year. Okay. okay. Right. Well, I think he's gone that I don't think they're going to resign. I think the reason they kept him is because they, you know, sunk costs kind of thing. But, but don't you think they're going to bring in somebody else? I mean, every team has a second yeah. guy, like, you know, like a James Connor or a... it's just, um, I think whoever they get will be paid much less and they will be, yeah less uh, less like institutional pressure to get that other guy on the field but i also think that people uh, i will say the javante williams super fans are some of the most insane people i've ever come across and i think they are extremely loud and they hold a disproportionate uh, share of just the chatter that occurs around fantasy football and especially dynasty than almost any other player. Like it's, I've never seen anything like it, honestly, uh, not right. since Hakeem Butler anyway. Uh, let me, so- let me, well, let me ask you this. And that's funny, by the way, that Hakeem Butler thing is funny. Cause that was, that was the, you could um, not say anything skeptical of him. You'd get just killed for that. Right. And, and obviously if you said those things, you were wrong. Uh, Javante, uh, the, the Javante crowd has been right 
To be a clear, bit. yeah. To be clear, Javante Williams is the good version of this scenario. It's like right. the, the, the Hakeem Butler people were just the other most loud group I can remember off the mm-hmm. top of my head. But he's good. Um, the one thing I will say though is like I get people haranguing me sometimes too. It's like he had 130 yards against the Chiefs. You have to say he's special now. I'm like I, I don't know. I don't think I do. It's like, do you think David Montgomery is special? Like, I think he's David Montgomery, Najee Harris, like that kind of tier of running back. Good player, but like. You cannot make these people happy unless you say, no, Javante Williams is maybe the best running back in the league. And he's not. He's he's a smaller Marion Barber or something. Good for him. He's going to be a really good player. But he's not Nick Chubb. He's not Jonathan Taylor. He's not Dalvin Cook. He's not Christian McCaffrey. Um, really good player, but that's never enough for the, the biggest Javante fans. Speaking of like truthers, like who who you truther for? Like who maybe just did, hasn't hit yet that you're still truthering for? Any player in the NFL? Uh, well, I guess the most recent slash most amusing case was Duke Johnson. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> even I like him and Rashad Penny though. I was like, I, with Penny, I was like, Oh, I don't know. I thought he was good, but I guess he's so injured now. He's, I don't know if he is anymore. And then Penny has the, the last couple games that he did. Uh, but yeah, I, I always like those two guys. I, I, I was always frustrated that they didn't get more of a shot. I, I mentioned this on the radio with Chris last week, but my all-time truther freak out, and I, I still, you know, I, I will get worked up about this if I think about it too much. But Old Dominion had this running back named Ray Lowry, who I am yep, convinced I could start that. for teams, and he's just he's a running backs coach for some high school now because no one gave him a chance. He was he was the last James Robinson, the, the James Robinson that did not have uh, the good the lucky bounce there. It shows you how important draft capital is draft capital yeah. doesn't guarantee you're going to be good it just guarantees you're going to get a lot of chances yeah or in gordon's case at that point in his career you know the contract the the the, the money guy saying like hey where, where's this guy's numbers why am i paying him so much you know helps yep. have that all right let's cover we're going to cover one more game before we wrap up this episode of the week 17 preview show he's mario puig i'm alan Soslowski, sitting in for john mckegney who will be back next week all right let's talk about the arizona dallas game this is an interesting game to me um dallas is home giving five and a half dallas they need to i mean it's still possible they could get the one seed so they have to keep pressing on right i mean they're it's not it's not out of the out of hand yet and obviously the one seed for all of the f- football fans they know that's the only buy uh Let's start with the Dallas side, Dallas backfield. I'm not as down on Zeke as everybody else is. I'm not, but then again, my expectations are lower for fantasy than most. Uh, you know, I expect him to be a 16. He's no longer 28 touch Zeke. He's 16 touches, a couple of catches. Where are you uh, uh, for, on Zeke in your championship? I mean, he's an auto start, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's, I mean, I know he was playing hurt for a while there and he had that week one against Tampa where they barely tried to run. But I think Zeke has done a good job all year. I think he's better than most people give him credit for at this point. I think people generally give too much credit to Tony Pollard. I think they're they're both good players, but uh, Pollard is a role player for a reason and Elliot is a starter for a reason, or so I believe. And in a game like this, uh, this could be a, one of the more up-tempo games. Uh, it, obviously, it's high stakes, but it, these teams could both run more plays than they tend to, and the, the Cardinals already tend to move at a faster pace than most teams. Yeah, so this, this I is love the this highest setup. total on the board right now, I think. I'm just looking at I believe it's tied for the highest total on the board, so you shoot out. Yeah, okay, so you like Zeke. Um, wide receiver-wise, Amari Cooper got the squeaky wheel narrative going from last week. He, uh, he, he got his, what was it, like 11 targets or maybe 11 catches. I have to look at the stat line again, but he had been quiet for some time since he came back, complained. That was at the cost of CeeDee Lamb last week. Which Cowboys receiver do you like best in this matchup? 
Well, I like them both, and it is kind of frustrating to me that apparently Cooper's target volume was an issue of intention with the coaches. Like, get them both the ball. Just, just throw it to them. It's easy. Um, but well, it was Dalton Schultz that, that ended right. up well, the, some of the targets last So week. defenses sell out against Cooper and Lamb, and they leave these underneath kind of check down things to Schultz. And it, it makes sense for Dallas to take those targets because it kind of forces the defense to play them more honestly. And if they don't, then it's like, okay, we'll just keep getting nine-yard gains with Schultz until you do change your coverages. And so far, they haven't been willing. It's kind of like the Chiefs, and you know, he's almost like the Daryl Williams or something where they're selling out to stop Kelsey and Hill, and they say, fine, throw Throw it to Williams 10 times if you want. Uh, but sometimes you get different looks. I think it's in the nature of the Cardinals to be more aggressive than that, to, to try to certainly blitz more. Certainly uh, they, they dis- disguise their coverages so much. I don't even know if they'd really have the luxury of bracketing guys the way some other defenses do. It's like they'd have to give away their assignments before the snaps in a way that they're normally loath to. So um, I think uh the question of whether Dak can get can get going is is pending like how much Zeke does and how much that pass rush gets to him when they send it and they will send it but the Dallas might be able to manage it and Dak is awesome at reading pre-snap stuff if anybody can figure out what they're doing pre-snap he might be able to do it and he might know correct he might guess correctly before the snap like this guy's open we got the hot route on him so I I think that Lamb and Cooper both have uh, really high projections here, despite the the kind of explosiveness of the Arizona pass rush, and despite the fact that the Cardinals are better against the pass than the run. They're better against the pass than the run because the pass rush does all that lifting. Those corners can't cover. Uh, Byron Murphy's good, but the other two I don't think can cover Cooper, Lamb, Gallup at all. So if Dak needs to, and Dak has the time to throw, I think he can light them up. Uh, I, I do think, though, it also makes sense for Dallas to give Zeke his biggest workload in a while because if you don't have to subject yourself to that pass rush, that might be the the first most ideal course. And Tyron Smith is looking good to come back. I believe, right? He should be. Well, that would be nice. I hadn't followed the the most recent news on him, but that, that would definitely be nice. That's uh that's bad news for Chandler Jones, for instance, if Tyron Smith is in the field, in the, yeah. in the game and you want bad news for Chandler Jones, if you're the Cowboys. Yeah. That's, that's still up in the air as far as I, I last read. But again, you know, we haven't checked our, our notifications in the last two hours. So everything we probably said in this podcast is probably only null yeah. and void uh, is, 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 uh, is Dalton Schultz firmly now inside the title? and 12 cut line for dynasty i would say sell high in dynasty i mean i i think he is very clearly a product of this system and teams uh, he's like this year's robert tunyon type of thing i think tunyon's the better player but you're right in the sense that yeah like his numbers are more sustainable in a way because he's not dependent on like 12 yards a target but he is dependent on receivers as good as lamb Gallup, and cooper all being on the field if he goes to some other team he would be like I think an even worse outcome, Austin Hooper or something like that. Hayden Hurst type of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. He's good. He's good now, though. You're rolling with him now, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's a plug and play. He's probably a top six tight end on the year. I'd have to take a look at the numbers. Let's um, let's finish up with the Cardinals. Kyler Murray, you're starting him. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to miss this game. I I think. Yeah, he's on IR, right? So yeah, he's out. Um, Christian Kirk, uh, AJ Green, Rondell Moore is going to be out. Who's your flavor? Who's your pass catcher? Is it Zach Ertz? Like who you who's starting on the on the Arizona side? It's got to be Ertz and Kirk, and they do run most often in the middle of the field, which is kind of good. It gets you away from Diggs and uh, gets you on Jordan Lewis, who I don't know if he's going to be out for this game, too. If Dallas is running a backup slot corner, all the better for those two. But, yeah, I don't see how the Cardinals – the Cardinals might need to run to move consistently. I don't know if their passing game sets up that well, and I don't know how much I trust them to run well, uh, especially given Connor's status. I don't know what 
to think about all that. I like Dallas to cover even at the five and a half, actually. In the uh, this week, the under sort of let's see, the under reported hero lap for Chase Edmonds was not done enough. Like Chase Edmonds has league winner last week. I mean, he's 26 fantasy points. I mean, selfishly, I have both Connor and Edmonds on the same team. I hope one of them sits so I could start the other one. Yeah, I would plan on going with Edmonds. I don't know what Connor's – I don't know if they said a specific injury, but I hated how that heel injury that he had followed an ankle injury and how that was all stuff that he had to deal with last uh, two years with the Steelers. He ended up hurt. It was all injuries like that. And uh, anyway, I, I was I was kind of hating on Cliff specifically because it looked like they were going to play Connor last week. And I was like, no, don't play Connor. It's not it, it's unreasonable. Um, so credit to him for not doing that. I guess we got to keep an eye on this Edmonds back injury, but he's practicing as yeah. of yesterday. So it should be fine. Knock on wood. But yeah, they're, they're both good players. And if one of them's out of the picture, it makes it so easy to, to make the call, obviously. Hey, Mario, you're the perfect guy to ask this question. Our guy, Jeff Kasner, in the chat, he asked if Kyler's season, was his injury a thing or has he actually regressed as a player? Uh, I think last week was more like losing Hopkins was the big problem because this particular offense that Cliff Kingsbury runs, it is basically just ISO ball. It's just line up and beat the guy in front of you, even though the guy in front of you knows what you're doing. It's just, it's all based on one-on-one matchups. Hopkins is the kind of receiver who can thrive in that setup. Like it doesn't matter to him. If the defense knows it's going to him, he's getting the ball Uh, guys like AJ green at this point in his career guy, like Antoine Wesley, that's not going to cut it. And so I think a lot of the times you're seeing Kyler basically play 10 on 11, nine on 11. And I don't think Cliff does anything disguise wise to, to make up for that. I think everybody knows every single play what they're running. So I think it's at once not Kyler's fault, but if the Cardinals still have Kingsbury as coach, which it seems like they definitely will, I don't know what changes. So I am lower on Kyler going forward than I was, you know, certainly two years ago when I was still optimistic about Kingsbury. I heard a really uh, funny analogy. Um, A friend of the show, Scott Pianowski, and on his podcast said that Kyler Murray was like that stick of bubble gum. Or, you know, his, uh, it might have been uh, Salfino, his uh, broadcasting partner, that said it. He said he was like that stick of bubble gum inside of a baseball card pack. You put it in your mouth and it's delicious. And then 30 seconds later, it tastes like garbage. It tastes like a piece of cardboard. So, you know, Kyler um, Murray starts maybe off. Ky- season- uh, maybe Cliff Kingsbury, but I, I actually think Kyler is a clearly great player. I don't, I don't think yeah. uh, it's, it's a structural issue to me. He's, he's not, he's not a flash in the pan. He's not like a, a mirage. He's not a, a system product. He's a, he's a victim of the system. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And then our, our guy Scott asked if Kyler will have a bad game this week or an average game. I think the setup is there for him to have a really good game uh, yeah. given the high total. So they're going to have to keep up. This is this is going to be the DFS chalk shootout of the week. All right, Mario, we did a two-hour marathon. We uh, we missed on a few games uh, that we didn't cover, but you can ask us about those on Twitter if you have any specific questions. Uh, I'm at Alan Soslowski. He's at Rotowire Mario. You can get all his content on Rotowire. I strongly recommend that you uh, uh, check out our dynasty, our off-season content. Uh, it, you can get it all free right now for ten days. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Get a 10, uh, 10 day free trial. Mario's one QB rankings are up there for dynasty. My uh, super flex rankings are up there. What else are you working on that's going to be there this season? Well, my rankings are still kind of uh, bad at the moment. Uh, I, I mean to get them more sharpened within the next few days. But yeah, once once the regular season ends and depending on when our magazine deadlines are, I would normally work around that to try to get whatever offseason dynasty content we can. So it's great to have you uh, on board, Alan, because uh, <laughs> Thanks, I, I kind of go radio silent for, for the magazine. And, and uh, luckily with you 
you around, we, we can still give people something during that time. Well, as you know, and I'll, here, here you go. Just uh, pucker up because I'm about to give you some love right now, Mario. No. You know that you and John are two of the reasons that I, I started doing Dynasty Analysis. I look up to you guys, and I'm so happy to be working with you guys uh, alongside of you. So keep that's, doing what uh, you're doing. That's, that, that's very heartwarming. And so th- thank you. We, well, that uh, is the truth. <laughs> that is the truth. You know, I followed you guys for a long time, listening to you guys do the podcast. And uh, you, along with Chris and Jeff and the whole crew here, are the ones that inspired me to start doing content. And, and gave me the confidence to to feel like I knew what I was talking about. So, awesome. so thank you for that. But let's uh, let's end with uh, on that note. Let's all that love. Let's transfer that to our friends at Thrive. Thrive is back for another season of fantasy football. They're running a huge guaranteed contest every week of the NFL season with Thrive. You can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top tier athletes. Uh, Mara, just so you know, Thrive is like a props game. You pick like an either or, but they don't have like all these like ancillary players. You can be like, hey, is Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott, who's going to have more passing yards. So it's a really cool game. Sign up today. You get six free months of Rotowire. We just talked about a 10-day free subscription. If you go to, if you get a free six-month subscription to Rotowire, and here's how you do it. You visit rotowire.com forward slash thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E. Deposit a minimum of 10 bucks, and you get a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. So if you put $50 into Thrive, you're going to get a free 50 bucks to play with plus you're going to get the free six months of rotowire play your first paid contest and you get free six months of rotowire that's it man so we've told you how to get all this this great stuff for free go over to thrive i i love playing on thrive i've played a few times this season i'm going to be playing uh this week and certainly throughout the playoffs all right he's mario Puig. you know him he's the rookie guru he'll be back with um next week with john mckegney who i'm sitting in for until next time everybody we'll see you uh good luck in week 17 and when you win those championships post them we want to see your winning rosters uh good luck all bye-bye everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body including those involved in hormonal balance from functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.